Look, I'm sure it's delicious. I just don't understand why we can't see Yoda now. Patience! For the Jedi, it's time to eat as well. Hmm? <laughs> eat! <laughs> eat! Ah! How far away is Yoda? Will it take us long to get there? Not far. Yoda, not far. <laughs> Patience. Soon you will be with him. Good leave. <laughs> I go. <laughs> Why wish you become Jedi? <laughs> Mostly because of my father, I guess. Ah, father? Powerful Jedi was he. <laughs> Powerful Jedi. Oh, come on. How could you know my father? You don't even know who I am. No, I don't even know what I'm doing here. We're wasting our time. I cannot teach him. The boy has no patience. He will learn patience. Hmm. <clears throat> Much anger in him. Like his father. Was I any different when you taught me? Is not ready. Yoda. Do you expect me to talk? And welcome to episode 88 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and always joined by fellow Jedi's Chris Byrne, Dave Bond, and special guest Charlie Brigden. How are we? Striking back, thank you very much. Good evening, folks. Very good, we are. <laughs> I see what you did good there. Good, we are, yes. That's mm-hmm. clever, we like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to try and do the introduction in a Yoda kind of way, but I thought, nah, Charlie will fill in that gap. Should I do my amazing R2-D2 impression? Yeah, go on. That sounds just like, like the real thing. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, it's, it's very difficult to do. With a slight accent, I grant you. That almost yeah. sounds like you've just, like, you, just pressed a button on a toy. That just... <laughs> Cut down on those cigars. So striking back, does that mean we're covering Kevin Smith's films tonight? Becca? Yes. <laughs> We're skipping Star oh, really? Wars. I'll, I'll see you later. Then. Yeah. <laughs> well, it does pretty much talk about Star Wars about fifty percent of the time. So. <laughs> it just needs to make a Star Wars movie. That'd Still, be amazing. Goodwill Hunters <laughs> Two hunting season was funny. That is a film. And I Will see. Ferrell throwing himself across the bonnet of the car to look amazing was funny as well. That's one we have to do a commentary on. What? We'll what, what? We're going to do series on Kevin Smith. All right, then fine. <laughs> I don't think Charlie wants to join that one. No, that'll be very niche. I think. Enjoy it. Tell us what we are doing tonight, Becca. Well, tonight we escape an icy planet, do some Jedi training on Dagobah, visit the city in the clouds, and more as we review Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, starring Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, Dave Prowse, Billy D. Williams, Kenny Baker, Alec Guinness, Frank Oz. And Jeremy Bullock and more. 
scored by John Williams, script by Lawrence Kasdan, and you packet directed by Irvin Kirshner and released in 1980. So, do we think this is the best Star Wars film? Discuss. Yes. No. Yes. Good night, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know Chris was going to say no. I'm quite happy to debate it. I actually understand Chris's perspective totally. Uh, but I had a fantastic viewing with this last night. Um, very noted. It, it's just a feature of the way I watch films that I have good and bad viewings, even of films I like. Yeah, I didn't um, so there was a trend. Go, so going, you know, I'll, I'll go first very quickly. I had a really, really great viewing of this last night. I've always perceived um, Empire and Jedi to be structured very similarly in that they both always had the problem to me that the first act is almost too long. Because the first act is never really a third of the film. It's normally a bit less than that. Um, and we're, next week, you know, they'll be at Jabba's Palace for the first 40 minutes or something. They're on Hoth for about 36 minutes, I think it is, this time. Didn't feel too long this time. It normally does. This film whips along at a lovely pace. I think it's Harrison. I think it's the best Han Solo film, if you like. For me, people can disagree because of last week and so on. But he's just great. He's making it up as he goes along all the way through. Uh, I think Mark Hamill's a little bit better in this one because he's just a little bit more seasoned and so on. Yoda is one of the all-time great cinematic creations. And you've just got basically got um, Darth Vader goes crazy, ate bonkers with his drill and sex because he, he is just, you know, he's, he's got... He's choking his, everyone left, right and centre in this just, film, isn't he? He, yeah. is just, he is just True. like, he, he's calling people up. Someone once said to me, and it's obvious now, but I hadn't really thought about it at the time, he just leant into me in the cinema when the special edition was on. He said, you know, he's just rung someone up to kill him. <laughs> and that's just Literally awesome. Like, call see, of death. There's a hint of darkness in it. Charlie's right. These were all like universal rated films and stuff. But just seeing that little scarred back of Vader's head and, you know, his staff looking a bit nervous about whether they should look or not. It's got a lovely sort of steely colour palette. This film has everything. And whilst... It's not a complete saga, but I would argue it's a complete story. I think it, with the crawl, you can come in and take it on from here. It doesn't. It doesn't literally follow on from the last film, only in that the battle is carrying on. It's not Star Wars finished. It had a definitive finish. Um, it does set up a third film, but I think sometimes films just do finish on like an an, an attitude of hope. But I mean, I'll let Chris. In argue his corner in a minute on 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 this film, but I honestly yeah, I'll, think I'll, I'll, I'll be the downer none of, in this episode. None of I'm the afraid. films, none of these films, the, the the saga is greater than the sum of its parts. Because actually, if I were to rank like my favourite films, The Empire Strikes Back is my favourite Star Wars film, but it's not in there, and it's not in there for probably some of the reasons you are getting at, Chris. Because I need all the other films to to yeah. to create that feeling, but. As uh, even as a standalone, I'm quite happy to watch The Empire Strikes Back, and I don't have to then go and watch Return of the Jedi or whatever. Every now and again, I can just stick this film in. I think it's the best acted. I think it's the most subtly written. I think it has the best dialogue. I think Harrison Ford is just phenomenal in this film. Darth Vader really becomes the cinematic legend here, not last week. Uh, you've also got the um, Imperial March for the first time, which is massive within cinema history and within this saga. Um, 
you fit you see the beginnings of a very sort of touching love between Leia and Han, but it's not a very traditional love in the way they express themselves, but you can see it there and they have real chemistry. It, it's very much like pre indie, isn't it? I mean I felt very much that's an Indiana Jones, that's that's a prototype Indiana that, Jones going I, on there. I didn't know if you were gonna disagree with me, Chris, because I very nearly said it in that I'm sat here watching it last night and I'm thinking this is more like Indiana Jones than anything else I've seen him in. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually true, but it's that sense of making it up as he goes along. And it's, he's like, it's that bickering with Leah. It's that kind of like... And he keeps trying and, and watch this and then the engine doesn't respond and mm. things like that. I think I'll shut up now till we go into the film, but that's my first thoughts on it. I could have been more lukewarm. I wasn't, no pun intended. I thought that um, I would be cooler on it than I am in that I think that everyone talks like this is a work of complete cinematic genius. But actually, I have to admit, a wonderful viewing with this last night. Very strong, much better than last week, as good as Star Wars was, and, uh, and I'm ready to be really be positive as we talk through this. Um, yeah, it's just like they said, as, as great as Star Wars is, and obviously you can't have this without Star Wars, it's still, um, it just takes it up several notches, and I guess because they knew. That they would have the then because of the amount of money that Star Wars made, they knew they'd be able to really as much as the financial risk this was. Um, they still knew that they were going to be able to probably make the uh, the next two, so they could afford to actually act like this was now the middle of the trilogy. And because of that, things it was uh, it's allowed to be slowed down, um, and you're allowed to get a more idea into some of the things behind the scenes of the characters in their minds that kind of thing and you get to see them yeah it's, it's nice it's nice that they split up all the heroes so you have luke going one way and han and leia and chewie etc going the other way um and the, the, the stuff on dagobah is just amazing and all the scenes with Yoda, there's just such an inspiration behind them, not only in the way they're performed, um, but, but the way they're written as well. And um, and then the way it all kind of comes together um, with Vader and the whole kind of denouement on Cloud City. Um, and it's, it's just the emotional stakes are so, so high in this film. Um and it's it, to to a point that doesn't really even even in like maybe even in like when it's like Revenge of the Sith or something like that where it's really really dark those stakes are never really matched again in the saga. Um, and uh, yeah, it's the, the music's amazing. It's shot amazing. Um, the dialogue is brilliant. It's written really really well. Um, and I think it's intentional both this and Raiders. Works kind of went back to those kind of forties, um, kind of scruple romantic comedies. That kind of snappy back and forth dialogue. The set pieces in this in this film are just impeccable. And yeah, it's uh, nice from- I mean, I've 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 never found it in a decent wallpaper format, but the bit where in the free, in the carbon freezing chamber where they meet and their lightsabers come on might be one of the most perfect shots in yeah. history. In terms of like design, like as in like how it looks, like the the, the I mean how the sets are built and oh yeah, but, but and just that's just, a river just, bit, just one just the one shot, just this all yeah, but also just the sequences, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I can pick up this. The Empire has my favourite shot in the whole saga, which is as soon as the carbon freeze button is pressed and she, and it all goes off, and C three PO goes, "What's going on? I can't see." The smoke clears to reveal Darth Vader, and it's just the most amazing, beautiful, monstrous shot. But I mean, in in terms of the set piece, like the asteroid feels to see, it's no, just no. yeah, I can see just conceptually, it's just so amazing. All the all the attacks. The, the the Battle of Hoth and it's just the way it's pulled off um, and yeah it's, it's just breathtaking and it doesn't ever fail to elicit a sense of danger despite the fact it also brought into the universe doesn't it Charlie in that yeah. not, not only do we actually see the Emperor this time and I know we've seen different versions in different versions of the film but yeah. the first film was really all about Luke when you this film starts with a completely different thing, in that I know Han's got to go and save Luke, but the Battle of Hoth is 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 just all about this ragtag, definite trying to survive, and I don't think it's any accident they're in such a hostile environment. No, I, I mean absolutely. ice is you can't just wander around in ice. Absolutely, and it shows yeah, it shows where they have to go to be able to hide from the Empire, and what happens when they're found. And then, and you see that everything that Vader does is as a consequence of him wanting Luke. What I also love about Vader in this film is he walks everywhere purposefully. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the walk is amazing. I mean, you, the cape is a big part of it as well. I was only thinking that today when when he when he disembarks onto Hoth and walks through as they're about to leave. Firstly, the sort of film. firstly the sort of um, the, the sort of pace he walks at, but also that flowing cape. It looks fantastic. Mm. Is it, Becca? There are a lot of capes in this film. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing as well. Ed the but, uh, from The Incredibles wouldn't Mando's has a bit of Liberace um, about it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. He's got a very can- uh, fancy cape, definitely. But no, I, I would agree to you. Um, he's definitely bisexual. I mean... <laughs> what, Lando or, um, Lan- Lando, or Liberace? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, no, I we're, we're having we're having a discussion of, of uh, <laughs> podcasts about um, um, but, but no, yeah, I think just, everywhere, like every time Vader's on screen, basically you can just feel it, just oh, terrifying. Yeah, and just just what's saying another thing to kind of cap off. Just people go on about this film about it being like so dark and etc etc etc, and it is. It's dark. It's dramatic, which I think is is more relevant than it being dark. And there's much more of a mythic tone to it than than Star Wars kind of had, whereas kind of Star Wars was like a fairy tale, but this is coming much more into kind of Greek myth kind of thing, um, and a Greek tragedy as well. But it's so bloody funny. It's hit the the film all the way through from um, R two and, and three PO and all of Han Solo's dialogue. And just even just, just these kind of little interludes, um, and even when even getting to Vader, <laughs> and what and and his choking, um, and it's like oh, bits Bobby. of Yoda and things like that, <laughs> and yeah, and and it's just it's just really really funny all the way through, and I, I kind of feel like it doesn't necessarily get the uh, that kind of credit. But yeah, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be talking about their attempt at comedy was Jar Jar stepping in some shit. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm all, it's How work, but you just look at this and I just think, well, Han and Leia are inspired in this film, in every mm. scene they're together. 
Um, it's wonderful stuff. But um, Becca, you go next because I, I I'm trying to hold. I'm trying to like wait for Chris to kill the podcast. In the <laughs> oh no. Um, I'm a bit mixed, really. I mean, I would. Oh fuck off, Becca! <laughs> Yay! Becca's on my I'm... side. Well, I'm that weird one who tends to like. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's that's no bad thing. That's no bad thing. Um, I'm the weird one who tends to like well, where the first movie is rubbish in a series. That's the exception. But I'm I'm the strange one who tends to think like the first film was best. So I would prefer I'd prefer last week's film. And like the same with The Godfather as well. I do think the first one. I mean, they're all amazing. Um, but the first oh, one for me one, like, the is, is is the best in, in the in the trilogy. Um, but then again. <laughs> You know, when we ranked the Bonds, I didn't put Doctor Dr. No at number one. But anyway, so that's just pulled that theory right from underneath my feet, but never mind. Um, yeah, it does go a little bit too dark for me, but I mean, the dialogue is a lot better than last week. Um, it looks more beautiful. I mean, you know, than uh, you know, the effects still hold up today, which is really good. Um, the action, you know, set pieces are really memorable. I'd say that shot um, with the lightsabers is just one of the most iconic scenes in cinema, not just in the Star Wars universe. Um, but yeah, it does go a little bit too dark for my tastes, but um, it was it was largely improved by going to the Secret Cinema Star Wars a couple of summers ago, um, and that was the film that was screened and also kept in the charts that year. Um, and that was just immense, and there was you could feel fans' love for the film in the room. There was, there was so much so much love for that movie. Um, it was the group of friends that I went with. Literally, we were kind of split down the middle. Um, some of us, you know, really liked it and were, were like, "Oh yeah, best in the series." And the rest were like, no, this is terrible. Much prefer, you know, the first one or the next one, sort of thing. Um, but now that kind of having that experience really helped me to understand the film better and have a better experience of it. Um, I must say, watching it before this podcast, I didn't have a great time with it, but I have seen it on previous viewings um, and I've enjoyed it a lot more. Um, I, I would it say, as a child, Becca. I, no, I that's really one of things you sort of come I to, it don't you? It was a boring one when I was a kid. It comes, it came to me much more in, in my teens. Yeah, I think you have to. Be of a certain mindset. Yeah, you have to force yourself to like it. I think you have um, to really kind of enjoy it, and it's well, it's just it's kind of more. You are the person who's really. I mean, uh, when we talked through Bond, when we were talking about the Morris Binder and Danny Kleinman sequences at the start of the film, you were really not happy with uh, uh, Skyfall because it was too tough and depressing. It was very depressing. It's mm. not you. This this film isn't you. I'm I'm not surprised to hear this. Actually, that's not to say I don't enjoy it. You know, I do. I, I do like it. I just happen to prefer the first one. Um, but no, I mean it's you know it's still fantastic. Um, still very enjoyable. But for me, it is a, a dinge on the dark side. Boom, boom. Um, but no, apart from that, you know, I'm kind of in the middle. But as I say, it doesn't mean I, I you know I, I don't hate it. Um, I still, you know, really enjoy it. But just, a little bit for me, but I do. You know, there are great lines, so many great lines. I do, I do love how like Vader literally phones people up to say, right, that's the last time you disappointed me, Lieutenant. You know, whatever, Admiral. I, I just love that bit where one of the generals like kind of like says, right, well, I'm gonna apologize to Lord Vader. You think, yeah, you're dead. Yeah, that's yeah, you're dead. You kind of wonder. I wonder if he realizes this. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, oh dear. No, um, and obviously, we, you know, we get the classic um, scruffy-looking nerf herder line, which is just the ultimate put-down ever. Um, Who you calling scruffy? Who's <laughs> scruffy-looking? <laughs> um, I managed to kind of use that in a bar on a guy to get him to go away from me, so he's like, yes. So, 
and then he followed you forever because you're a Star <laughs> Wars fan. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many iconic scenes and, and lines in this movie as well. Um, and the whole thing but of Lando as well. Bit, you find it a little bit lacking in lightness. Yeah, that's it, definitely. There's kind of that, that section which is kind of missing for me. But on the whole, I still enjoyed it. Anyway, okay, Chris, okay, tell okay, us Chris, your uh, point of view. Yes. Um, Come on. Look, uh, the other side. So, no, to be honest, I think I've like, overplayed like the dentist. Oh. We talked about this offline a few times. Chris, yeah, actually. I mean, look, yeah, I've, 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 I've kind of overplayed it. And to be honest, most of what uh, Dave and Charlie and Becca have said, I absolutely agree with. I mean, it's, I mean, by all accounts, the best made Star Wars film uh, in terms of how it's written. Uh, Dave said about um, this is probably the best Harrison Ford. Uh, performance in a Star Wars film, I I completely agree. The stuff with uh, Han and Leia is important. I love how they split split uh, the that those two from uh, Luke because I think it's pivotal for those those two storylines to go for the for romance between uh, Han and Leia and for Luke to yeah, go. And you don't want training. them where what they're while Luke's like watching. Yeah, no, no, but 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 it actually is. You know, it, it makes absolute sense. I cannot fault in terms of like the story as a whole and what it means to the series. I mean, I I I think yeah, and I can understand why fans like this film the most because it everything. So actually, Chris, are you what is what you're saying that if you actually took away the barriers of the start and ends of films out of this, this is the best section of Star Wars? No, really. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I understand why because if we're talking literally like TV episodes, we can say right. Well, that was a good couple of episodes. Uh, I think there's a lot of meat in here, but it's all kind of set up for Jedi. You know, we we've had like we've been we've been we've had Star Wars set up a characters and it was a really good fun and sci-fi adventure. Now we're getting to like the kind of meat of this, where we get all that kind of like the interesting stuff kind of build up, and everything's kind of wound up. Now everything gets let loose in Jedi, uh, but the problem is, on on its own in isolation, you know this film doesn't have a lot of payoff. And this is why I said the best section of Star Wars as opposed to the best. Yeah, section I mean, of I, Star I Wars. okay, okay, I, I I see your point, and this gets to my other point, and I think you kind of alluded to before, but you you know. I found the first part of this really boring, uh, and I think you know. Hoth is my least it... favorite bit. Sorry, Hoth yeah. is my least favorite bit, and, 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 and I kind of realized why I'm not really taken with this film as much as everyone else. And I just, I think, yeah, I find this film really, really boring. I, I, I find the last half better. I think, it, I think it picks up back then. But then we're left with, I mean, I, I don't understand where it has to do to, to kind of set off with a cliffhanger, but there's less relevation. We get kind of like the big twist, which is like, Luke, I am your father, um, no. which I would have, which I, I imagine at that time would have blown everyone's minds. Um, and justifiably so, I think it's a great sort of twist in the series. But that's all you have, really. I mean, it's uh, there's not it's it, 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 it there's no emotional payoff, and and I, and I kind of have to bite bite my lip a little bit every time I, I see it. Like it mentioned as like the greatest film of all time. I'm like thinking, right, okay, well, if 
an alien spaceship landed, and then you and you told and you, they asked you, well, "What do you do for entertainment?" They oh, we watch movies. Oh, what's the greatest movie of all time? The Empire Strikes Back. You won't just show them like Empire Strikes Back on the isolation because I'd be thinking, well, for starters, I'll probably think. Hang on, space is nothing like this. This is bullshit. But but yeah, but there's 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 no real beginning. I mean, it starts off really slow, and then like there's no. It, it soon as we know the, know these characters, and it doesn't really have a satisfactory ending. I, I don't understand the. Uh, well, the it's first, not supposed to. The, yeah, I know, I know, I know. It, it is. It is. The first film started in media res, as we said last weeks. That's how the episodic thing works. Yes, I understand. I'm, that. I, I have some sympathy with your no ending argument, although I don't agree. I have no sympathy with your no start argument, because every chapter would start a bit like this. Okay, okay, that that that's that's a fair that's a fair. They comment. were in the middle I... of of going on to the Tantive Four during the. Fir- I hmm. yeah, I mean okay. The that... first one starts in the middle of something. Clear. Yeah. Okay. That that that's 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 actually a fair. Okay. Um, I I think the beginning could have been done a lot better. Uh, I think it, it it's. I yeah, and I noticed they did a lot of unnecessary things. And I thought, okay, this is just kind of very kind of plodding. I think it should have got gotten to the the attack on half a lot quicker. That would have been a lot more better uh, better uh, start to the film. Uh, I think we should we should have been, we should have had a little bit more excitement with the with the Empire chasing Han and Leia. Uh, that just seems to be a lot of like hanging around asteroids and back of uh, starships. Uh, it 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 just felt kind of dull. Uh, but that said, I understand. I understand where the meat of where where the meat of it Star Wars is. I, it's, it is the most quotable. It is the most things. quotable. It's a lot of everyone's favorite scenes, and it. it's got Yoda. You know, I understand. I just can't the original agree. Cut of, the original cut of uh, uh, Star Wars, A New Hope, the first version of it, was, I think, 118 minutes. So two minutes short of two hours with credits and everything else. This one is two hours and seven in its special edition. I think if you trimmed half enough to make it the same length as the original cut of A New Hope, I think it would be stronger. But to be honest, I think that's just me. Uh, well, not, it isn't just me because you've just said the same thing. I had a much better time with Hoth last night than I've than I've had with it for a long time. Mm. But you you are kind of right. There's an awful lot of messing around with you know Luke at the start of the film and all the rest of it. Yeah, but you you need to show where these characters have moved to because all we know from the crawl is that Luke is essentially kind of in in control of them or a leading part of it now because he's mentioned in the um in the crawl somewhere um or maybe it's maybe i'm thinking of the the comics adaptation either way um you need to know where these characters are so you look at it now luke is now a commander of the rebel alliance that's pretty high rank that he's through and then we you see um the relationship that he still has with han where han is obviously han from there we're told immediately pretty immediately that he has to leave so that puts a kind of a, a tension on there and then you see that luke's powers have to kind of go grow towards being able to do like kind of pulling the lightsaber in, into his hand and things like that um as as well as kind of just setting up a bit of overall tension and also putting it 
on the onus on the uh, the love triangle between him, between Luke, Han, and Leia. I think that was. I think that the important sequences in this, uh, from a character perspective, from a from a sort of uh, world perspective, the fact that they're in the ice and about to be attacked and everything else is, is probably most important. I thought the him reaching for his lightsaber and the whole telekinesis thing was vital because I don't think we'd seen that before, and that becomes quite important later in the film. I.e., why is Vader able to think objects towards Luke when they're fighting? I think everything Carrie and Han is very very important here. Um, I I do think that I just think those two are gold, and I, I do think. If I don't get back to Jabba the Hunt, I'm a dead man. Yeah, that, I mean, that all of that I, 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 is very, very I think that's important. That's the thing. I mean, and I want be... a Waldorf salad. It's the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 the way the um they kind of show the relationships changing, and so at the beginning you've got when when Han and Luke are out there, um. You've got saying, Princess, there's nothing more we can do tonight. The shield doors must be closed. And there's an amazing shot where the shield doors start closing and the camera just dollies in on Carrie Fisher's face. Uh, and you see there, there's there's her worrying about Luke. And especially there in the as after that, when Luke's rescued him back in as well, and there's that the the, the nerf her a bit with Han. Um, and and there, there was because I know there was a cut scene before where she did actually have a little kiss with Luke, um, and then but then from that you kind of see it opening further towards Han as they do split up from there, and I just think it's just really good character work, and that's what this film is all about, and I think that's why some people call it boring, um, because yeah they do spend a fair amount of time sitting on an asteroid hiding from the Empire. Um, but again, it's kind of what's needed there to kind of get those character moments because where you, because where you have a film like Star Wars, which needed that pace to to uh, not not just to just as a film, but to kind of set everything up as well for to make it so, so it could go on, then um, it it just needed to go a mile a minute where that film kind of does. Um, but this as the kind of the second in the trilogies normally do, just kind of opens it up and slows it down. Yeah, I mean, I don't actually disagree with you, Charlie. Uh, I mean, in terms of its, uh, in terms of uh, what it means for the characters, um, I mean, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, did you. I just think it could have been done better, particularly at the beginning. I mean, the, the stuff with Luke and the lightsaber, um, all that's kind of done primarily at... Uh, with Yoda, so why do we need to see it here? But if we do need to see it there, this can be done within within the battle such a thing as on half. You know, like like the vision, like you know, Luke's ship gets crashed down. He kind of tumbles out, and he kind of like gets a bit hazy, and he sees vision of Obi Wan telling him to go to half. Done. You know, we don't need the stuff with the the big yeti. I, 
Uh, I'm not sure I completely agree. We don't forget as well, he was um, badly injured between the two films. Yeah, I know. I don't think that's why it was written in, actually. Mm. But I think it's a happy accident if there's such a thing for this sort of scenario to explain. Or at least the changing shape of his face. I'll split the difference with you, Chris, and it doesn't mean I'm right necessarily. But my attitude on this is that I don't think it could have been done better. I do think it could have been done a little bit faster. I think 37, 36, 37 minutes is too long for what we get out of this. But it is nowhere near as bad as next week that way. And I like Return of the Jedi. I, I, but I, by, I by and large, there, there is a lot to enjoy in this. And I just think the whole point of the whole idea of a ragtag of, of people stuck in such a hostile environment because of, because of desperation... They go out to just do minor things and they could die. And we know that the Empire could be on them at any moment. And at the same time, Han and Leia are wrestling with relatively complex for this type of film emotions. And I I, I say complex because they both kind of admit they they like each other but kind of don't. Some of it is all caught up with circumstances, the type of man Han knows he is, the whole Jabba dynamic to everything. I don't think there's a lot wrong with this, other than I would have liked to have seen it south of half an hour for what Mm. we get out of this. I I will say this. I completely understand why they did in regards to um, Mark Hamill. Um, But I'll be honest, if they hadn't, I, I personally, I wouldn't have noticed that much difference, I would just just assume. Oh well, a passage of time, and which yes, is funny because he's been in the war, so he just aged a little Mark bit. Hamill. You know, no, he looks dramatically different. But mm. that's actually how long we've all lived with Mark Hamill. That mm. our minds almost adjust around it. Because if you put photos of them next to each other, his nose is a completely different shape. Yeah, he does look really different. I mean, it, it, you know what? It's probably me. It's probably just me. I, I, uh, I mean, I, well, maybe I'm just willing to kind of like, yeah, okay, I understand. It's it was a horrible thing to happen. And I'm just willing to just, yeah. But my primary argument is not it's all worth it because Luke and his face. That's not what I'm saying yeah. at all. I'm saying that there are a few sort of almost happy accidents with all of that. The hostility of the environment is fine. It needs to breathe a little bit for reasons Charlie just said, that like you've got to know where they've come from. But also, if you're in a desolate, um, if you're in a desolate, desperate environment that's difficult to live in, and most of your life is boredom because you're sat there almost worrying what might be coming rather than actually doing something. If you're through that in like seven or eight minutes then you've not given it anything like the way it deserves and you lose everything. Um, but I would not argue the point that it couldn't be a little zippier than it is. Yeah. And I, I do want to stress, you know, I don't hate the film. I really don't. Um, I, you know, I just, I like it. I like it as what as part of it, what as part of the series and what it means. You know, I, I, but I can only ever watch it as I'm watching the entire series as a whole, you know, if if I if I had a choice of throwing on any Star Wars film, it would never be Empire. But I understand why this means a lot to, to fans, and you know, and I understand because I, I I it does jump out to me in terms of quality, you know, in in, in how it looks and how it feels. 
that it, that it, it is a better constructed film than the others. Uh, so I completely understand, and I don't just want to stress I don't hate this film. So <laughs> any Star Wars fans, Charlie? Well, you? we're going to ask. <laughs> I don't hate it. We yep. are going to ask you to prove it as we discuss this film. Yes. Okay. So, Charlie, you got a better memory and bigger love of this film. What's in the crawl? Not okay. necessarily word for word, but what's the gist of, <laughs> That's what's putting you on the spot. I know. It's, it's basically, it, it's, it's, it is a dark time for the rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, um, the uh, small pack of freedom fighters have been chased across or driven from their base and chased across the galaxy by the. Uh, not by the evil Galactic Empire or what have you. Um, and uh, the small band of rebels has set up based on the ice planet of Hoth, um, evading the, I think it's this, evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet. I feel really bad now because I should know this off by heart. And as the Darth Vader, obsessed with finding young, young Skywalker, has dispatched thousands of probe droids into the far reaches of space. So then there's, again, begins with a Star Destroyer, but it's a very different kind of shot than... It's off at an angle. Yeah. It's coming yeah. towards you as well, isn't it? Uh, hmm. Isn't it off its sort of hindquarters? Oh, no, yeah, it's straight on to start with. And, and then it's cuts... hindquarters when the probe comes out. Yeah. Sorry. yeah, yeah. So the, you see, like, uh, a bunch of probes, and they sort of land on um, half. And then um, we... You know, get straight onto Luke, and he's on a. Is it a, a ta? How about what they called? Tonton. Tonton. Uh, and he. No. Sorry. Or a Dondon, if it's the. No, um... I, I just want to make one point <laughs> at the outset, and it's not a criticism because a stop motion goes. This is a very good example, very well done. But if there's one thing that dates this film over the first one, um, it is because they use a lot more stop motion in this film. Um, it, it does look a little bit more like that. We see with the, the Atats, although that's done extraordinarily well. But the Tontons, I think, are, the, are one of the few weak effects in the film now in terms of how it stands up. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. But the, the, but I, I don't mind them. It, 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 it's not a criticism. It has this like a, a it has a little film. bit of nostalgia to it. It's like, oh, remember them? And he's like, I kind of, you know. It's a thirty-seven-year-old film. I'm not being hard on. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not getting hard on. <laughs> You're not getting hard on. That's disappointing. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and he he basically sort of like calls him what he thinks it's an asteroid, but he's going to check it out. But then he gets like attacked by. Um, is it is is it been named by this creature? Or is it just a kind of like yeti type thing? It's called a wampa. I'm not sure if it's named in the film, but we know it to be a wampa. Okay. It's a it's a big wampa. Uh, <laughs> and he uh, and he, he, not, he you know, knocks him on the head and drags him away. I think it's it's, it's interesting um, that this opening really sets up the difference between um, the Empire and the Rebellion and and how um, desperate they are. Where because in, in when in a minute when Han goes off, his, but he, they're told the speeders are still adapting to the cold. So they have to go out on these tauntauns because they can't use their spaceships and their speeders and what have you, which we're normally used to. Whereas you have the Empire sending all these robot droid probes out. Um, and uh, it just it's, it's immediately kind of shows 
where it's at in terms of this this chase and how they are still this kind of ragtag team of rebels um, as against the uh, the technological might of the Empire. It, it, I mean, you think of something like Star Trek, where our point of view is always the Enterprise, and they can scan everything. Yeah. You know, here something lands deep in the ice somewhere out there. You got binoculars, and that's about it. And it's like, what's that? We don't really fucking know. It could be really dangerous, or it could be nothing. And that's yeah. quite that's quite effective as storytelling because if they're our point of view, then they don't know, and we don't know either. Yeah, he, he doesn't just get a tricorder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but then so so Luke is knocked down by the Wumper, and uh, then and then we go straight to Han get returning. Yeah. I think they're they basically done like a circuit. Han's returned. Yes. And yeah, yeah we get you go. Where's Luke? He should have been back. Sometime. Yeah, he goes straight yeah. to the control room. Has a chat with the general, saying like, "Oh, I've got, to, I've got to go to pay That's off Jabba. Yeah. I'm wanted, man." And they go and it's like talk about him, like, "Oh, you've been a good soldier. We're, we're going to miss you." And war time, Leia's giving him evil, saying like, "Oh, are you fucking off? You should be staying here." <laughs> <laughs> and then he have a bigger yeah. Mm. Which, which to me, kind of sums up like the entire entire relationship where where they're going. I mean, obviously, like. There's like an unlearning romance where they they both fighting it, yeah. But they they, they don't want to show, um, no one want to show weakness and giving him and kind of like going like oh I love you or or, or anything like what one of those lines. So they're both putting on the like I don't need you or I don't need you. You know, kind yeah, of kind of attitude front, aren't they? Yeah, I, I do like that tension between them. Actually, I think that's obviously they will get to there eventually. Uh, yeah. but I do like that tension. I just think that's that's fantastic. You've got to have two very very strong personalities to make that work. I mean, you couldn't stick, for example, adjusted for age, a Meg Ryan. Yeah. In this, because there's nothing wrong with Meg Ryan. By the way, she's been absolutely fine in a lot of of um, rom coms, but you got to be a lot feistier than her to make this work. Yeah. You've got to have two very strong characters to, to sell. Because this. of Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford, that, that really sparks fly. Yeah, and I think Carrie Fisher, because because of you know her documented issues over the years and the fact that and she was quite acting, sparky, quite spunky. She, well, she went off and wrote a lot, and and she's not primarily thought of as a great actress now, but you wouldn't want to understate her importance in this. I think she is. Not, not just the role. I'm not saying she isn't. I'm saying she's not considered a great actress necessarily. I don't think that's particularly debatable. She's not thought of as a great actress with a great acting career behind her. She is very, very strong in this. It takes a strong character and a strong personality. Well, she's very funny as well. I mean, as a as a person, I think that kind of like she, they, they both. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, apparently it was revealed that um, him, uh, her, and Harrison had a, had a thing going on. During, on during, the first, on the first film. Was it on the first film? Well, yeah, it's a three-month affair during okay. the making of the first one. So I, I don't know if that played a part, or I don't know, but um, there, there is on-screen chemistry with the two. Uh, I think it helps how she is very feisty. Like I think that comes across in real life. I think she's quite a, like a feisty kind of like quirk, foot kind of kind of person. But uh, here, she, here she's basically like being stubborn and, and he's been stubborn but in a kind of like uh come on you love it don't you you know you can't you can't be you know kind of, kind of almost like trying to tease her out of it and she, and she's like kind of like no 
piss off. Do you know what? It, it also reminds me a little bit just from watching it a couple of weeks ago. And he didn't fall off his chair. But I was watching <laughs> Cheers. And, um, yeah. I, I was watching it's been a while since we mentioned him. And it was towards the end of the first season with him and Diane. And it's almost like he's going crazy. Cause, I mean, it, there's no suggestion, by the way, that Sam Malone as a character would hit a woman. But there's certainly a bit towards the end of like the first season where he's so frustrated He's almost tearing his fucking hair out, not to like grab her and throttle her. Um, and there's a bit of that here. The dynamic of Sam Malone with um, Diane is kind of similar, actually. That they both in fucking infuriate each other for everything, and they probably always will. And that's one of the things where we get to the Force Awakens and they're no longer together. Forget the reasons why, just the fact that they didn't endure doesn't actually surprise me. I, I always think they would have had a really good crack at it, and they did love each other, and I doubt it was over within five minutes. But at the same time, they're both really strong, sparky characters that would piss each other off quite yeah. a lot. I, I imagine, especially in this film, there's like they, they, they're almost at a point that they um, would cut their nose off to spite their face. They, you know, they would like, you know, just... They, they will not back down, it, you know. So the whole point is all of these all of these sort of droids, uh, well, uh, obviously Han goes out to get Luke um, and has to sort of pack him inside the body of a Tauntaun to keep him warm. Mm. Which is very um, like a Western idea, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what... Which, I mean, what, was, was this the foundation for for this in other films? I mean, we've seen like, kind, of, kind of things like in The Rev- Revenant now. And I wonder, was this... Uh, is was this like the origin of that kind of you know, cutting out a horse, or, or was this inspired by other westerns? Um, I, I don't know if I'm honest. Do you? Inspired, I no, I don't. But I imagine it was probably inspired. I um, wish I could bullshit something, but I'd be guessing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I it was really just a thought. As I wonder, oh, I, I, mm. I can't, I can't think of another example that pre this. So I wonder if this was like. I mean, making it, use of your surroundings wouldn't. Yeah. Be. And if we sat and thought about it, we could come out with a lot of films where yeah. they may do in a certain environment. Um, but literally, encamping yourself inside the body, you know, the hollowed out body of another creature, I, I can't think of anything like that. It was convenient that he, that he died as soon as he got to Luke, though. It was like, oh, right, well, I don't have to feel bad about could open. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. Um, it's not the most elegant effect as well as it splits open. But, um, I mean, that is what it is. Um, I do find that busy work as much as it isn't busy work. There's a, an absolute defence for why that's in the film. But obviously, it's one of the bits in a film I've seen many, many times that I just go, yeah, spin on a bit. Um, the whole point of the probe droids are they're just they're looking for Luke. Now... This you might be able to help me here, Charlie. I I don't mm. know. The, I, I can't remember the difference between, and I'm spinning on a bit here. Um, the two conversations Vader has with the um, Emperor, because in the cut we see now, he seems really surprised at the idea that's his son. But yet we've had a film of him obsessed with finding young Skywalker, which in the whole um, context of the film makes me think. 
he already knows. Is he lying to the Emperor? Has the dialogue been changed? Or is it just a bit ham-fisted? They, they definitely changed it. Okay. Um, yeah, they changed it for when the DVD came out. Okay. Maybe we'll um, come back to that in a minute. But he's trying to look to... He's looking for Luke. And they found that they're on Hoth. So the Empire sends what it's got after that little ragtag. And... It's really funny now, because when you look at it, the, uh, the Atta effects have just started to date the stop-motion element to it. I still think it looks really lovely. No, I, I, yeah, I don't... I can't really see much fault in it. You can, see it's, you can, you can see it's stop-motion now, even though they put a bit of motion blur between the frames. Hmm. So That's the only thing that dates could, it, really, but it still, but, looks, but probably it looks fantastic. Because they are mechanical. Because it's not like the torn torn. It's not like representing yeah. something absolute. Actually, but it, but it's better. It is it, better stop motion than the torn torn. That may be because of scale, or yeah. it may be because the battle was important. They put more time to it. More frames means more granularity of movement. So I suspect that's the answer. All I'm saying is, when I watch it now, I can tell it's stop motion. Because it's a machine as well, you kind of expect more sort of mechanical jerky movement. No, I think Charlie's right. I think it actually works. I still think it looks fantastic, actually. Oh, yeah, it looks amazing. I was stunned. Yeah, it still looks great. I mean, to be honest, I think I'd rather use this technique today rather than, like, just CGI. Well, I just think... I'm not sure I agree with that, Chris, but... Or mixture, I guess, like, a mixture. I I prefer, like, the puppet Yoda over CGI Yoda. I'd rather have it done well than um, full of, like, holes, but or they did it more honestly. But at the same time, there's, I think from a behind the scenes perspective, I'd rather watch DVD extras on this sort of thing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Because when you look at it and you see like fully grown men stood around like the Atats that are only like 12 to 18 inches high on a set (coughs) and then watch the film and it doesn't look like it's a set. That element of how did they do that? has disappeared now because you watch this and honestly to this day even with um even i still don't know how they even though i know how they did it and even though i know it's stop motion there's an element of me that just thinks it looks like re it looks like it's real and they have got like 200 feet attacks on a real stage with people it looks incredible and how they've managed to photograph that from little models. Well, you don't have that with CG. How did you do that? Well, I programmed it in. Yes, yeah, and some of the shot choices as well. Because, I mean, that's one thing about this film compared to Star Wars is it's it's a lot more um, complex when it comes to kind of shots and things like that. Um, and because there's a couple of shots, like, <coughs> just like, um, there's the one where it goes, obviously, where it, it goes through the attack's legs, and there's another one where a couple of them you see the attack from like three quarters above, and then the snow speeders go around it. And it's just so, yeah, one kind of pulling off these kind of shots with models and with motion control and stop motion and things like that. It is just amazing. It's, it's wonderful. It's amazing. The lighting on this, and it gives it a scale. Mm. It, it looks like um, they're on the they're on the they're on the sort of ice and snow at six feet tall or average human height, and these hundred feet, two hundred feet, whatever they are, mechanical things are marching towards them. 
because of the stop motion, you can see it's slightly herky-jerky. You can see it's not quite real. But it is lit absolutely spot on. It doesn't look like miniatures. If you took a still shot, it still doesn't. Mm. In movement, and- you can see there's a bit of stop motion there. But I know they put some <coughs> motion blur in. Yeah. Which is and- what the problem with stop motion is. There's no blur between the, di- the different shots. Exactly. If you yeah. and I move, there's a bit of blur. But the um, also also the way they introduce the attacks through the binoculars. Yeah, it's a sudden. What the fuck's that? Yes, it's just like you you sit and it, it starts it starts at the the foot and then it goes up to the head and then pulls out and you, that's so you're seeing these things for the first time through that grainy kind of binoculars and then kind of it shows them properly. It's just, it's sort of such an effective way of establishing these things as as kind of. Real things. And Real. I want, want a Waldorf salad. A Waldorf salad. And we're a screwdriver. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, the British sitcom Faulty Towers has an episode called Waldorf Salad, where there's an American guy with a, with his British wife visiting this hotel. And he's demanding a Waldorf salad. He's quite a hard-ass guy demanding a certain level of service. And he's obviously being let down by John Cleese's Basil Faulty character. He plays the kind of general, boss, whatever you want yeah, to call gen- it. General Roy Keane. There you go. I didn't actually ever know his the name. The guy called Bruce Boer. Uh, and also a special uh, <clears throat> shout-out to um, uh, uh, do you expect to talk veteran Julian Lover, who's, uh, who plays... Uh, General Veers. Yes. Yeah, that name I do know. Uh, yeah, we Bond, were talking during, Indie and our Star Wars. How about that? Well, we talked about it more through Bond than we did Indy. Even well, he's a bigger character in Indy, but during Bond, we were pointing out um, how he disappears into a role. Now, eyes and nose—you can tell it's him. It, I mean, he doesn't literally disappear; it's him. But he looks and sounds so different, doesn't he? Yeah, he really does. This is probably probably closer to the real him than anything else. What he's like? He's, he's a evil general working for. I mean, you're belly. I know. I know. is lovely. One thing about this film and the previous one as well is certainly in this film the amount of people that are dubbed. Um, again, we've we found it in the last Do film. You we've mean had... dubbing us in different voices, or just mean ADR? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so we had it with Amberu and Uncle Owen, and and also the bartender. Um, if you watch the original Star Wars trailer, the bartender's got a proper London voice in, instead of the uh, your droids. They can't come in here. We don't want them there. And so the um, the guy. Oh, who... fuck off! He's <laughs> like, 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 no blasters, no blasters. Um, so the guy Rogue Two, who. Um, is a guy called Zev. He's an actor called Christopher Markham, and he was in um, what was the one with um, Lumley and Saunders? Saffron. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, he was. Um, he yeah. was. I think he may have been Saffron's father, but he was certainly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. His, oh yeah. And his, his voice. Like a limp in it. Yeah, his voice is done. He died fairly recently. Yeah. Quite recently, I mean, within about the last six or seven years. Yeah. Um, and um, Irish then, actor. Yeah. Dennis Lawson's um, voice is dubbed as well. Again, here yeah. he's got he an American accent. As well. But in Return of the Jedi, he goes back to his real voice. 
Yeah. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Oh well. Not, uh, not as much, but the fact that it was dubbed. So, um, what else do we want to say about Hoth, guys? Well, what's always cold. amazing to Very me cold. as a kid is, is they lose. Yeah, I mean, they, they get their yeah, asses kicked. Like yeah. They get fucked, really. I mean, I, I, I do like the tactic of, like, let's evacuate and let's let's shoot, like, a laser at the Empire and then, like, throwing the path of laser, let's just dart out of there. Like, <laughs> I think that's like a kind of like a good solid tactic, really. I, you know, I, like, I like the thought behind that. Oh, uh, not Obi Wan. Sorry, C three PO pisses me off a bit in this film. He's kind of irritating. He's meant to be. It's fine, but uh, I do kind of it. They're rushing to get away before they die, and he's like, "Wait for me." Uh, but he do, he does break the fourth wall. Where? He does because Where? because the, when the, when the um. When the, the he yeah he said wait for me and then the door closes and he turns around and says how typical and he's playing and he, and he, he really? I've never ever noticed that absolutely okay. breaks the fourth wall. It's got to be okay, with the audience, we? surely. Okay. Um, and it's just a his oh, to me it's it's always been a, a hysterical moment and yeah he's he's annoying as fuck but um, he's meant to be. He's, he's yeah, he's absolutely meant to be. I I had a better time with Hoth this time than I normally have. I, I'm kind of, you know, splitting the difference on it in that like I now think it's very good. I I had I think it flows into the film very nicely. I think it's paced very well actually. But I'm kind of Chris a little bit. It could lose a little bit, but it tells a very nice story. It does tell us where we're meant to be. It it shows you basically how at gun they are and what horrible conditions they have to live in most of the mm. time. And it also shows you all the hand layer stuff you need to know. It shows you how um, Luke's Jedi skills are starting to develop. Um, and it's a pretty decent action sequence as it goes as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think I just found it kind of as, as an action sequence. I mean, in terms of the things it, it does, I agree, you know, but, in, but in, in terms of how it plays out, I just felt it just was a bit of a slog for me personally. But then that's my personal opinion. Yeah, you know, I can't. That's I cool. Can't it is. That. Uh, I mean, Act Two is uh, Act Two is a lot better because obviously they yeah. get off. They got off the planet. Uh, they split up, which Charlie's right. I think that's absolutely genius. We we go with harm first, for, don't we? For, for me, it's like it's a natural thing you should do. I mean, I think I, I'll be surprised if we don't get that. I think well, we definitely are already already there, aren't we? We're Last Jedi. They all already are split off. There is three of them, but they certainly has to be. If if it's three of them, there has to be at least two parties. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because because they. I mean, and and again, this is one thing that that this film always stood out for me because there's all these tiny little moments. Is really the, they they split up when Luke goes off in his snowspeeder, and Han's still there trying to repair the Millennium Falcon. And the Millennium Falcons, parts of it's exploding, uh, and you've got Chewie going, and then um, Luke comes out, and Chewie hugs him, and then Han, they're like doing their manly kind of, they don't want to kind of say goodbye type thing, and then and then Luke leaves, and then it just for a moment focuses on Han as a close up of Harrison Ford, and it's just a really kind of thoughtful moment where you can see. The real kind of this is the last time these characters are going to spend some time yeah, together, yeah, in, in a, yeah, for some while. And for all yeah. hand, those that could be it because of the exactly, whole yeah, yeah. And then Becca, what did you think of all this? I don't mind the scene actually. Um, 
I just think it's funny how like the cold planet is basically spelled hot with an H on the end. Um, I've never thought of that. It's ice planet. And it's called hot with an H. Um, no, I just kind of noticed that. I thought that was a bit silly. Um, I think it's really cool. That it's you know one of the iconic worlds of, of the film, really, isn't it? Um, no, I, I, I like it in general. Find a different colour palette and environment for each mm. film. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've got well here we always see Hoth, you know, the ice base, um, and then later on, um, Dagobah and Cloud City. You know, look very different. You know, iconic worlds, all very different. Um, so much that you can. So when I think of the first film, I tend to think of very sand tones. When mm, I think of the true. third film, I think of very forest. When this I think of this icy, film, um, I think of like blacks and whites and greys. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's very kind of. Yeah, considering it's it's all snow, he does a very good job. It's I mean the the cinematographer is a guy called Peter Sajitsky, and he's actually basically. He does pretty much, or he has done pretty much every one of David Cronenberg's films. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. And um, that's why they look the way they do. Sorry, have I just stolen one of your fun facts? No. Nope. Good. Um, and he's a, <laughs> <laughs> that's all, another one. Bugger. And he, and it's just yeah, it's just the, the amazing the kind of tones he used. But I mean, did did, did you know about? Again, I didn't want to steal any of your fun facts. No, again, that's but, fine. Um, no, that's okay. Don't worry. The, the subplot that was cut out um, with the uh, with the wampus. Go for it. Where there was there was a whole there was a whole set of sequence scenes in the rebel base where the uh, the wampus kind of broke in and attacked the rebels. Was this like before? So this is, obviously this is before like the empire came in. Yeah. That that just would have been like, oh, like shit sandwich then, wouldn't it? Be like, oh, we just survived all, all this like these vicious creatures. Oh, guess what, guys? The Empire's here. Shit. What what they, what they end up doing is that the, the rebels they ended up kind of corralling them into a room, and what they did is they put a, they put a sticker, a warning sign on the front of it, and when Han and Leia and three PO are trying to get to the Millennium Falcon. Uh, C-3PO goes past and they know the, the Imperial troopers are in there um, and he rips the, rips the sign off and then the Imperial troopers go in the room and get attacked by the Wampus. Uh. Um, and you can still see there's still, there's, you can still see um, like a bit where he walks past and you can see the sign on the uh, on the door. Um and uh, in one of the trailers, you see him ripping off the sign. But yeah, it's kind of a big subplot that they had that they just completely excised for yeah. much, much for the uh, for the better. It, it's probably just for budget budget reasons as well, wouldn't it? I mean, it probably would have just added more. It just would have like prolonged the whole. They were up against it as it was. This this film, as I understand, cost yeah. about forty million dollars. Yeah. And to get so, uh, and to get completion money, they had to like give up points and stuff on the film. Yeah. So yeah, they were up against it on this. Yeah. So but, I mean, they shot it all. And it's all on the Blu-ray. Um, all the all the well, deleted. That, that defeats our point. If you <laughs> shot it, you spent the money. To be fair. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, then, the, the, there was like um, like a scripted or at least like storyboarded uh, sequence with uh, the death of General Veers as like one of the um, yeah the, the ships goes straight into like the it well like, basically the head of the A-10s like explodes the head essentially. Yeah. 
I know that much, but that's about as much I know for, in terms of elite stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a fair bit of stuff they, they kind of cut out. Um, and uh, there's like a fair bit of stuff on Dagobah as well. And um, there's a lot of music they cut out as well. Um, I mean, it seems like there, I mean, there is still a lot of music in the film, and it's amazing. Um, but there's kind of certain kind of sequences where um, it is just um, the sound effects. And really, it's it's really well done because of that. And and there are parts where you think the music uh, would have been a bit intrusive. But yeah, off. So Luke goes off to Dagobah, and Han goes off to uh, with well, Leia. Well, he's basically just like straightly, yeah, on on the run from uh, the yeah, Empire because they're yeah. on his tail, aren't they? Well, yeah, because they they he was last to leave, which is genius when you think about it. Um. Yeah, he was last to leave, so they're straight on the the back of him, and he's about to go to light speed, and it doesn't work. Mm. Which and, I um, love that this this is the guy that goes on to play Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, let's try this. Oh fuck, it doesn't work. What now? Yeah, and um, literally just flying through both seat of his pants. I think as, as well something that that maybe isn't recognised usually because he can't speak is Peter Mayhew's Chewbacca performance. Yes. There's there's scenes in this film, especially when he's dealing with Han, and then later when he's dealing with um, Lando as well. Is it's it's difficult to notice unless you've seen the film a lot of times, perhaps because you're too bu- you're so busy focusing on what Harrison Ford is saying. Um, and because there's a there's a bit later on where he where he's talking about it and he's saying it's not my fault, and Chewie just put, has his head in his hands. I know. <laughs> I have, so have done that. This is a proper actor's. Well, it, I was about to say an actor's director. I don't even know that I mean that. I, I, I think it's just the attention to detail. It's not just about getting it all down on film. It's not just about the idea. It's about the craft as well. It's a little richer set of performances, I think. Not, not anything. <clears throat> yeah. No, it's not, not Becca, it is. You don't have to like use any limiting language about last week. Always feel really bad. Honestly, they but it's are... like I, I, t- I tend like that's obviously um, kind of you know being inside um, R two, um, you know, do, controlling, making a move around, and all the rest of it as well. You kind of, I need just more of that this time around as well. Not that I didn't notice it last time, or that it was any, any less previous times. Um, but yeah, it's a lot more. You know, think these these characters are initially like side characters, but have, have gone on to play huge parts in um, in popular culture. Um, definitely more nuanced performance this time around, um, and it's one that you really have to watch and pay attention um, to notice for it. But yeah, definitely. I would, yeah, thanks for noting um, bring out Charlie. I noticed it this you know second time around. Cool. I mean, uh, I mean, going back to Hoth just for a moment, I think it's on the commentary where they say about they cut out a lot of the stupid dialogue. That, that could have been here and maybe was in scripts. You know, they were very efficient. You know, Charlie hit on when, like, Han and Luke say goodbye to each other. It, it can be communicated in looks, providing your actors know what they're doing and providing your director knows what he wants. And clearly, in this film, everyone knows what they're doing and what they want. Absolutely. And, and yeah, when the, uh, the whole... Um, sequence with the asteroid field. Um, That's not wonderful. It's just it's breathtaking. 
And it's just the, the music <coughs> yeah. is... Right. I don't know how to explain this, so I'm going to use a, an analogy without meaning it like it sounds, even though it's me with my sense of humour. There's something almost sexual about the music, and I don't mean it turns me on or anything. I mean that it has that rhythms of, like, peak and then, like, relaxing afterwards. Yeah. Like you get... W- it with sex, frankly, and that is that's an interesting uh, So, 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 flusters. We all know how uh, Dave likes to have sex. <laughs> hard, <laughs> soft, hard. I hit you with my rocks, <laughs> <laughs> and then you relax and hide in someone's gut. No, you're right. This, this, it's an, it's a classic. There's a, there's a sense of, of, of like a come down after the peak of it. I know what I mean anyway. Mm. I suspect Charlie does. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And there's that shot of the Millennium Falcon when it does a loop. And John Williams does this amazing thing with the woodwinds and goes, do, 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 do. And it's just amazing. Um, but yeah, just, and, and again, it's really, it's really funny because of the dialogue that's going through. So you've got. Um, no one's in control. C- that's yes. what makes this film fun. <laughs> C- They're C- all like, oh, what the fuck? Thupio spouting about odds in the, in the background. And it's, it's Princess Leia saying, you don't have to do this to impress me. And stuff like that. Yeah, because she, I mean, she's just narcissistic enough that she thinks it's all about getting with her. Mm. Han is all about showing off because not all the time, but at key moments, he thinks he can go watch this and it never yeah. works. You got 3PO who's like uh, already planning his sort of beg for mercy. <laughs> Shall we just um, surrender? Maybe the maybe the empire yeah. will be. <laughs> I know, and going through odds just to convince them how difficult it is, and through all of that, they're acting it perfectly, and you've got a sexual tension between um, Han and Leia. It's perfect, and the music for it is perfect. And again, again, it, knowing that this was done with layers and layers and layers and layers. Because they had to film pretty much every individual asteroid um, and put them yeah, all, and put them all control here. So yeah, they have to do each element separately. Yeah. So I mean, they, they I'm pretty, if I remember correctly, they won. Again, I don't want to steal any fun facts. Um, they they won an Academy Award, a special technical Academy Award for the kind of printer, optical printer they put together for the film. I think it was for the sound as well, wasn't it? Yeah, they were, I think they won a separate one for the sound. Yeah, but, but yeah, best sound. That was the one Oscar. Um, Bugger. <laughs> sorry. Well, you say, no, but you say that. You say the one Oscar honorary no, no, it, it awards won, yeah, lots of technical awards as well. So. Yeah, no, I yeah, mean, honorary awards wouldn't be counted. Yeah. How, how many awards did, like, Blake Edwards win? None. But how many times did he come up to the stage to ca- collect an Oscar? One, because he got a lifetime achievement award. Well, exactly. Like an honorary one, yeah. But, um, I mean, it's it's interesting, and I've, I've heard, watched people from ILM talk about the film as well, um, where um, there's a... Are you looking it up on imdb.com? No, because we're I'm, I'm, I'm just okay. Googling it. Um, there's, there's still a kind of rawness to the effects even though um, they're amazing. And then, so then when you, um, when you look at Return of the Jedi, there it's kind of, 
where 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 the effects in Return of the Jedi are, they're pretty much they're pretty much complete. They know how to do these, and they know how to do them really, really slickly. Um, whereas in Empire, they're still a bit um, st- they're, they're still um, a bit yeah, they're, they're still a bit kind of raw. Um, and I think again, it kind of works in the the kind of favour of the film where it's kind of because it has these darker edges and what have you. Um, yeah, so they won a special achievement Academy Award for best visual effects. So I'm guessing around that time, it's maybe that because they were always iffy with that kind of thing, where they didn't necessarily have special effects awards until maybe after Star Wars, after these films. Because like American Wealth in London came out the year after, and that won a special award for the makeup because there was no category. And they had to create a special category all on its own. Yeah, yeah. So they had to give them the kind of special achievement award because back then there uh, there was there was nothing they, they no category that they could really put it in. Well, it's like they wanted to nominate um, Frank Oz. Yeah, um, George George Lucas wanted to. Yeah, even though Frank Oz he was obviously very modest, was like no, we, I'm not too worried. Yeah, well, we well. get that now with Andy Circus. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I reckon there should, yeah, there should definitely be a motion capture award. There is in a Star Wars he, film this year. He, well, well, this is it. Yes. But he, he'd win. Well, how many down. motion captures films do you have though? To, I mean, it's like oh, is there maybe like well, no, I think the the three argument, if you're lucky. No, well, the argument is not there should be a motion capture for your best Oscar. actor. <clears throat> the argument is that there's enough nuance in the before. I don't agree because it's not a one to one thing. There's animators involved. Mm. But I at least see the argument. I think the point is, there is an argument to say, nominate them for Oscars. But I think the wider point is not just whether you nominate them for Oscars, it's whether they get the recognition they deserve, yeah. whether it's Oscars or not. Yeah, Personally, on the Oscars, really thing, you cannot give, even if you wanted to, Andy Serkis an Oscar for Caesar. I, I just don't see it. There's animators involved in stuff like that. As much as he might be the reference... But it's still a fair point to say. By the way, you could disagree with that. I I, I would understand. But um, you could still say, do people going to see any of the Planet of the Apes films really understand what Andy Serkis is doing for that film? And so certainly are they getting the recognition they deserve? And you could say that. You could certainly say that for Frank Oz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's just, yeah. Um, Because, again, with Frank Oz, you've got him and there was an an assistant he had, I think possibly called Katie. Um, But, obviously, then you go further, do you start to uh, count Stuart Freeborn, who was the guy who who kind of designed Yoda and, and built the puppet? And all this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, if you want to put in a voice acting one or something like that, then fine. That perhaps yeah. that would be part of it. I, I've no doubt when we look at Caesar, we're sort of looking at Andy Serkis in his eyes and all the rest of it. But it's not a one-to-one relationship. And, th- and this conversation has been going on since Gollum when it, it wasn't even facial mocap. Yeah. So it's like, well, hang on, no, it is animated. They're just looking at images of him. Um, 
but it's not the same as disrespecting what he did. I'm very respectful of what he did. I just wouldn't give him best actor for it because it's not him on the screen. If it was literally, if that previs they did on like Avatar, where you could stand on set and watch an approximation of the digital characters in real time, if that could be the final version, then you'd say, well, the only interface is software, not other people. So maybe. Mm. But all the time there are people physically animating it. It's an insult to their, I think it's an insult to their input to just go, well, Andy Serkis, best actor. Well, no. What about all the people who turned that into what it was? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that happens uh, in films generally, though. Like I think I think there's a lot of stuff that's pulled off really well, and I think that, but they don't necessarily get like the acclaim that that they should do. I mean, I, I mean, I'm kind of fifty fifty on it. I think when it comes to uh, War of the Planet Apes, particularly, I mean, I can, I can see Andy Serkis' performance in that. Okay. Um, and um, we're getting and I, I, I kind it of, might be an argument in twenty years' time, but we're not there yet. Yeah, but you know, but at the same time, I I do think because I'm I'm not very much like I, I'm one of those people who think awards are just like pad, padding shows. Really, they you know, they don't really mean anything. Andy Circus doesn't need award, uh, an award to to tell him how how good an actor and how good a work he's done. We all know what good a work he's done is. Yes, is portfolio shows shows that anyway. So. But yeah. hang on, Chris. If we're debating who should get an Oscar, the validity of giving out Oscars isn't relevant. Yeah. I take your point, and we've talked about it on other podcasts and kind of agree. We're not talking about whether the Oscars are a load of old bollocks. We're saying, well, they are given mm. out. Who should get them? Yeah. I don't see that. I, I, I'm sorry. Frank Oz had his hand up a puppet's ass. <laughs> And, and, and he did. And, and did a Miss Piggy voice. And he did the voice really yeah. well. It is vaguely Miss Piggy. It's not identical, but no, it's no. close. Um, but there are puppeteers working the ears and the eyes and other things. It, it isn't just Frank Oz. What Frank Oz did was genius. This and is why was... Muppet Yoda is so much better than CGI Yoda. I know he can do more, but this is just why it's so much better because there's more creativity, more skill. We'll get to you. More technicality behind it. I agree, yeah, Becca. We'll... For me, it's actually I, 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 even even though it's just a thing made of rubber, it's still a thing. I think there's something like tangible about it. There's just like. And then that's okay. to say, there's actually I kind of shot myself in the foot though. Basically, obviously there's a skill that goes into CGI and you know coding and the rest but of it. I think artistry is amazing. You are allowed having, to like call having out something that is, is tangible like that you shit, can you know? see and feel <laughs> and you know. <laughs> Not they're tremendous and they work really hard. If you don't like it, just say it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I what an amazing character. It, it, yeah, it was, I think Yoda is, you know, is an inspiration to culture as, a, as we know. But I just think, I, I just prefer it. It's, it's, it's a thing, isn't it? It's something you can, yeah. you know, you can, go, you can go to a museum and see it. Yeah, I think there's, there's some sort of thing where, like, you see CGI, no matter how good it is, you can still tell it's fake. Um, whereas even though, like, it's a cheap rubber... Uh, puppet, as, as naff as it may be, it's still y- your brain still tells you that it's real, even though you yeah. know it's like it looks fake as shit. And that makes um, it more so endearing. It, I think. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird kind of thing, but I think there's there's something about that and how we perceive that when we, when we see it. We have a CGI OD, you don't have a CGI Chewie, do you? Or no, I'm just all I'm saying is you could talk a, a lot of um, 
you can talk a lot of, a lot about how things are not really there and and all the rest of it. The fact is, it's not real. A, pup, a puppet <laughs> isn't a real creature any more than a CGI. It isn't a real creature either. No. Some of the time when you're looking at CG, you don't know you're looking at CG. Honestly, there are things I could point you to that you'd go, Christ, that was CG. I didn't know. And I think there's a natural default to, like, real is better, quote, unquote. And that's so self-evidently not true because so much puppetry and work we've seen over the years now looks clunky as shit. And I'm sorry, you know, it does depend on the quality of it because Mac and me doesn't look amazing. <laughs> um, so I, I don't hold with that. If, if, if Yoda, if we'd had the technology in 1980 that we had in 2005 and we have this year, Yoda, would have, done been, it. Yoda would have been CG for the start. The it's not cat, less pure. They didn't have the technology. The problem is, A, the technology, and B, um, the idea that, like, well, it's not just the technology, it's what you want to do with it as well. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with a CG Yoda. What there's fundamentally something wrong with is putting Yoda as CG for all the wrong reasons and at the wrong time. Yeah. So it's making him CG in 2002 when the technology's not quite there. So, and actually, when you look back at Gollum in 2002, it doesn't look that good now. Uh, but I it looks like that he does, but then it's all a matter of perspective. No, watch it now. It, I'm, I'm talking about now, not your memories. It's not as good as yeah. you remember I, it I, being. I, I, I will um, say this. Sorry to jump ahead, uh, but it, it, like in, in Phantom Menace, like they did uh, a puppet Yoda, and then they redid that CGI, didn't they? Hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just like it. I mean, I, I I don't know what work they did with the puppet Yoda originally. But that was so much more believable than the CGI one we had in, in later ones. I mean, my, my, my general feeling on this, just to kind of sum up where I am with it, I, I mean, I prefer more practical effects, and I completely agree with Dave that some CGI you would never even know. I think a little CGI goes a long way. I think the the, the ideal, I mean, apart from maybe like the like the the, the mocap stuff, which is done in like uh, any circus is done with. Planet of the Apes, um, but even then, that's that's based on an actual performance. You know, that's something physical. You start. You have to lay the groundwork with something that is tan that is actually phys physically there. So you can use like a puppet and use CGI to fill in the gaps. You yeah, know, fill in... yeah, I mean, they scan the puppet anyway. Yeah, it's all about how it's rendered. Yeah, I didn't particularly think the the puppet in. Um... In Phantom Menace was was any good to be honest with you. But I'm, I'm going off memory to be honest with you. But I just like I think I'm going for my. I think, I think again, Dave's Dave's right about what they're, they're making him do because I think the pup, I think the CGI Yoda in the prequels is most is perfectly fine, apart from the fact that he becomes Sonic the Hedgehog when that bloody <laughs> lightsaber battle. Yeah, because that's that's kind of that's the one thing that we all remember. Whereas we remember in the original films that he was this wise kind of. Little dude that did that kind of was much less. Um, it, I, I guess it was one of those things like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to see Yoda fight? And you see it, you think, like, yeah, I'd rather I didn't. <laughs> yeah, rather well, it was actually quite exciting the first time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seen it, but it's a joke now. It's awful. But again, this this kind of goes back to, to, to George Lucas using the prequels as 
experiment bed for technology for, for, for him to be able to sell ILM and, uh, yeah. and, and make ILM the best and kind of put out, make, make sure that they're always at the forefront of their game. Um, but Yoda and Dagobah, um, I mean, Dagobah is, it's a set. How is that a set? It's unbelievable. It was on the set that I can't remember if it was before or after um, when there was a big fight, fire fight, fire on the, on the stage for The Shining. Right. Um, and they and they use when the sound stage is there, but that whole the whole thing's a set. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it looks great. I mean, like, I mean, to my eyes, it looks like a set, but it still looks great. I mean, I like. I mean, I, I, I still, I, I still see it in a. Yeah, that that is, Dagobah. You know that. I mean, yeah, that, that is... my question, Chris, is what are you trying to achieve, right? Because if you're trying to get a fucking Jim will fix it badge, for like I did it my fucking self. What does that prove? I mean, if you make a set and you go, well, like, that's clearly a set and it looks a bit shit, but what artistry went into it against, well, it's CG, what a lazy fucking conceit, but it looks seamless. Oh, okay. I don't hope with it. I just, I'm really sorry. I went to watch Dunkirk this summer, which would have been a better film if he'd used some fucking more CG in it. Because yeah. it had no scale, four hundred thousand people on the beach, and it looked like two hundred people in some pigeons. It was fucking <laughs> rubbish on that basis. There is nothing inherently wrong with C- with CG. No, no. Do I wish Yoda was still a puppet? Yes, for consistency, for sheer consistency. But if Yoda had always been CG because we had the technology thirty years ago, that's so fucking what. Yeah. But because by two thousand and five, he kind of looked all right anyway. He just didn't look quite like the puppet, and that's not good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, that 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 is the reality of it. Really, it's, it's. I think you're right in terms of its consistency. It's like we 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 see Yoda like here in 1980, and it's like okay, well, this is Yoda now. And now now the, the transition from CGI Yoda just just doesn't look right. Um, but yeah, but then we'll get into the. the the Clone Wars and all that crap later, um, but yeah, this is a, to go back to Yoda as a character. Um, it's great. I mean, it, it it's weird um, seeing how he, he's first introduced and he kind of like he's he's not he's playing not the typical Yoda that we know. He's playing like a kind of like a little bit of like a random nuisance. Yeah, it's like you approach the old man, you know, you kind of old hermit who lives in lives in the lives in the undergrowth. Well, basically, Yoda comes comes like he we used to him being like this, like kind of like wise old leader, and he's he's, he's kind of like p- performing as uh, this kind of like weird sort of nuisance, almost like he's like just pissing Luke off deliberately. It's it, 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 it's kind of it's kind of like a weird thing because I'm used to seeing uh, Yoda from Jedi, so. We watch we watching this uh, for would have been a few years ago was a bit of like oh crap this is Yoda's first introduction as a kind of like as a cranky weird kooky little creature at first. Yeah, I mean it's it's clearly a test. Yeah. To to get to get Luke um, to kind of gauge how Luke is being and also against the audience as well and our kind of how we usually see yeah um, main characters. It's our perception of things, because like, 
in our heads, when we think, oh, the Grand Jedi Master Yoda, we're thinking of someone who's going to be similar, like Obi-Wan or something like that. So we're not yeah. expecting, like, this little not, green not fur, like... Yeah, and I think it like, sends a message like, well, no, 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 the, the Force is not just, no, it's not just, like, you know, a bunch of bunch of uh, white guys or, or you know, it's not just, like, this typical sort of thing. It, you know, it can be any alien life form, you know. It's not just exclusive to humans. And and it's it's, it's the fact that that so many that yeah before this they they kind of everyone you had the Muppets so you had mm. all the puppets like this and there were to my knowledge um, no films with puppets in a, a, such a serious big speaking role as this um, and it's just amazing where he's in he's in his hut with Luke and Luke's kind of getting angry. Uh, at not seeing Yoda, and then he just turns and speaks to Obi Wan, um, and just the way his character turns and, and saying, "I cannot teach him." The boy has no patience, and it's just such an amazing moment um, to properly give him a real introduction yeah. to who he is, um, and then to see Luke realize who he is. And uh, and it's just astonishing, um, and and how well written that character is as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, th- I think it's a wonderful sequence. Obviously, the one thing that always gets pointed out with this is um, how quickly Luke must get trained, because Luke is there getting trained by Yoda while Han is going through the whole thing in the asteroid field, and they're heading for Cloud City. And his training it appears to be nearly done by the time they get to Cloud City, and there's no indication that takes months or years. But no I'll films. Say time per- does appear to come. Nah, no films perfect. Quickly that, but, um, yeah, people have tried to explain it. My attitude is just no films perfect. I I I, so I, I never thought that his training was nearly done. I thought I always thought there was a lot of work to be done, and he's dashing off because no, I have to save my friends, which is kind of like the crucial. Things well, like, no, back, you're not ready, and nothing you, you know, more, nothing and, more can I teach you. Do, 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 is that a line, line of dialogue? I don't yeah, know if that's, it's an actual line of dialogue, but that's oh, okay, the GST, well, that's, that blows that's, that's, that's what he says in Jedi, yeah, okay. So, but I guess, I guess that's looking at what he did Experience. when he went off to, to Vader and and did all that and faced Vader. It survived. still does appear he does the bulk, the huge bulk of Jedi training <laughs> in an afternoon, yeah. <laughs> But you've got to think as well that the Millennium Falcon doesn't have hyperdrive. So, I mean, the thing is, you could... But again, love, you don't need to explain it. No, you can love this film and still accept that's probably a flaw. Yeah, I mean, I, I just accept that he's he's, lear- he's learned the swift basics of Jedi training. And it's like, they, they re- you know, Yoda really wants him to stay and perfect it uh, and, tra- and, and, and train, but he wants to dash off and save his mates, which I think is kind of like where the, like, the actual dilemma of the film comes from, you know, which I... We, Part of them, I really it's because really he, like. he's too he's too eager to get out there and, 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 and he's no, got patience, and that's why he's saying, "Oh, you can't train him," and he's yeah. too it's like, he's not ready yet. It's like, oh, it's unclear; they're in danger. So, yeah, but you don't know whether like you going 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 off will save them anyway. You know, it's sorry. George Lucas could always go back and put different colour clothes on in in, in each, <laughs> each sequence. <laughs> well, he kind of does in one place. We'll get to, but um. <laughs> um but it's yeah, it's kind of the way it's cut into kind of these different 
trials or tests, as as it was. So you have the first one with uh, the uh, the cave, and then you have the one with this, with this, with his ship. Now the cave doesn't fully make sense to me, but it is wonderfully atmospheric. Um, I'd I'd read the cave bit as like it it's kind of like his true enemy is himself. That uh, kind of I understand. Thing. No, no, hang on. Let me explain that okay. better then. I know what the scene's trying to tell me. I know what the scene's trying to tell Luke, and I know what Yoda's trying to teach Luke. I don't quite understand on side what on why why on some random planet there's like a dark side coven <laughs> that can read Luke's mind and like create this. Yeah. So that's the bit I don't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That None of these things I'm coming up with are big problems. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it's just like the Force and stuff. I mean, you could say it's Yoda being using the Force to put these stuff in his head, almost. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I, I always thought it was something Yoda had set up somehow. Because um, it, it, just, just thinking about that Yoda would have been waiting for this eventuality. But again, it's something that if you go on into it, you might as well just write a book about it. And I imagine someone probably has somewhere called "How the Dark Side Cave Was Made." Yeah, but, but the, the 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 way it's done and the, the kind of if, the if slow we explained motion, everything, we'd go into Mandalorians, um, wouldn't we? And then that, and then no one would really want that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. And again, it's 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 kind of the kind of much more kind of mythic way this film tries to present things. And then uh, in between that, you've got um, the uh, hiding uh, in the asteroid field, or in inside an actual asteroid, and uh, smooching. Yeah, they finally get it on. Um, oh, yeah. a, and and then Spreepio, the cop blocker. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> oh. Again, it's just some of this. The the some of these lines are so funny. And when when it when it kind of it shakes, when the, the falcon shakes, and he catches he catches Leia in his arms, and then he kind of she's like get off me, and he's like shh wait, <laughs> and he says don't get excited, and she says being helped by you isn't quite enough to be excited, it, excite me, and he says sorry sweetheart, I haven't got time for anything else. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, and then. It's a great um, line, isn't it? I just think, yeah. Oh, yeah, being in your arms is not enough to excite me. It's like, hmm. Where do we go from there, then? So Luke has, has done his training, and he's... Uh... Well, we, we kind of, we kind of like, you know, we've gone the planet, Luke kind of does all the training stuff. We integrate that between the, when they're on the, um, the asteroid, and they find out they're actually in a mouth or something. Yeah, and then they look. And then they fly out, then they, they, they try, they decept, like, the a Star Destroyer, and kind of, like, Trick it into actually landing on it and hiding in plain sight, which is where that general gets choked out again. Yeah, and we meet we meet the emperor as well. Oh yes. Now these are these are two different scenes in two different versions. What are the differences, Charlie? Um, okay, so <coughs> in the original film, they what they did is they got a. Uh, a lady, I think it might have been Rick Baker's wife, but I'm not 100 percent sure. It was it was one of the crew's wives. Yeah, um, Eileen Baker, her name was something like that. Right. And what they did is they 
projected into her eyes the eyes of a chimpanzee. Yeah. <laughs> this is so and weird. And then had... voiced by Clive Rebel. Yeah. Who uh, I think was I I only kind of knew him apart from that was for uh, I think I later found out that he was in an episode of the uh, TNG I think. All right. Oh. Okay. But um, it, yeah, but it had so, and he had a very different voice to what the Emperor eventually had um, in Return of the Jedi. And then when they redid it in 2004, and they got Ian McDiarmid back, presumably while he was still doing Revenge of the Sith. He looks like he did in Revenge of the Sith. He oh, does, yeah. yeah. Like Robbery. Well, makeup. Yeah. 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 He, he, he's kind of like the voice was kind of like uh, a lot more direct and forward, but um, I noticed he was there, in there was as Guy of Gisborne. Was was what? All right, really. His Star Trek: The Next Generation episode was a Q one that was based on Robin Hood. All right. Oh, okay. Guy of Gisborne. I never knew that. But um, was it uh, Marjorie Eaton? Was it who played the who did the the face of the Emperor originally? Fun fact, folks. Um, yeah, they, they, they kind of had. Well, she kind of had like um, a smirk that um, Demon uh, that uh, Ian McDermott carried on, carried on. Like, so there was kind of very much very flat, kind of like stern. But then at the end, kind of gives like kind of like a little sort of smirk, which I, I don't know whether that was a direction of Lucas or the, or any of the, any of the filmmakers, or that was just something they just liked and picked up, but. Um, yeah, I thought I, I, I don't know about that, but yeah, but and but yeah, his voice was kind of a bit more kind of um, less. There is a great disturbance in the force, whereas the other was like, there is a great disturbance in the force. Much more, he's he's, he's much more evil in uh, in there. Um, but yeah, there was. The kind of weird dialogue where they kind of just make it. They, yeah, they they mention Anakin Skywalker by name, whereas before it's just like the son of Skywalker, and kind of which immediately sounds distancing. It sounds like you're talking about somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do wonder whether they actually. Ha- uh, yeah, I, it does make wonder whether the the film uh, the film they, they actually, the knew, uh, actually couldn't. Couldn't decide whether Emperor actually knew that um, Vader was. I think that's exactly right because I mean, a bit later on, we'll have Yoda say a line, and we'll get to it when we get there. That sounds authoritative, but they—I know they didn't know at the time. But then there's later in the film where it sounds like they do. So I think it's an embryonic idea at this point. Not Luke being, sorry, I didn't mean the Luke and Vader thing. I mean the Leia being the sister thing. I think that's embryonic at this point. They're yeah. still figuring details out as they go along. Well, as, as far as I know, that wasn't <laughs> until Jedi. That didn't come up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're going to get yeah, to yeah. a couple of points later on where yeah. it's, it's implied in one place from what we know, but wasn't actually an implication. Yeah. And then it, it and But then there's something that does imply it. So we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so where from here? So yeah. So he <clears throat> from there on, um, you've got another pivotal scene with Luke, and again, Luke fails. 
and you kind of really kind oh, of what, the, the, oh, the, isn't that where we first hear Yoda's thing properly well I think it's where, it's where yeah you uh, first hear it in it's kind of full no actually I think that's just, trying to think that's, that's probably probably the scene where um, where he ter- where he finally reveals himself um, and I feel really bad that I can't confirm that um, but yeah you, but you hear it in a really grand version um, and there's also a really lovely version of the Force theme as well um, when he kind of goes on his speech so Luke's very much, again Luke's kind of, the ship goes down and it's like we'll never get it out now and he's, and he's again he's, he's a bit kind of snide about his, about the size and, um, and then Yoda gives this amazing speech where he says, for my ally is the force and a powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must one. feel the force around you. Between here, you, the rock, yes, even the ship. And then, does it. And then it's no that... Different. Fu- Only different in your mind. <coughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And then it's that fun thing where Luke says, "I don't believe it," and he says, "That is why you fail." And that's and considering Lucas is, is the hero of the story, to have well, him. Uh, there's a couple of things to note here. I mean, firstly, the bravery of doing this with the villain, uh, the villain, the hero of the story. But secondly, you know, there's a, a lot of knocking Mark Hamill, but, that's but his call sheet every day was just him. And it was him and Frank Olsen, a puppet, and that was it for weeks. And he had to act opposite this inanimate object mm. for months. Uh, still a relatively young man with relatively little experience. I think that's impressive. Yeah, and I think he really, I think it really shows. I think I think he's really good in this, and I think it shows that there is a kind of hit what what he had in the first one, where he had this kind of. Um, kind of naivety is still kind of there while he's trying to push himself forward. So it's where he almost starts to think that he's 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 done it already. He's, yeah, he, I think what the the film the film is doing, I think what what is it successful in doing is it's setting up this idea that we the audience see Luke isn't ready. Luke is is severely not. Ready, he's not skilled in comparison to Vader. So when he dashes off to save his friends, we're like, "Yeah, Luke, you're gonna get your ass handed to you," because Vader's ready and he's on point, and you're not. So it, it kind of like puts the step, raises the stakes to 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 a to an increasing level. If if Luke was like kind of like in a montage Rocky sequence where he's just like lifting X rings left, right, and center. Then it, it wouldn't have the same effect. We'll be like, "Oh my god, no, Luke's Luke's pumped now. He's going to kick Vader's ass." Yeah, uh, it, it it wouldn't have the same level of like tension of like, um, like we we wouldn't be a, uh, less like uh, edgy about it. We'd be like, "Oh." Well, he sets off with a natural edgy- edginess in our yeah. minds. He's like, mm. "I'm not sure this is a good idea." Somebody who knows way better than any of us. Because they've sold that mental anger. Yeah. That yeah. ankle, sorry. Somebody way, way smarter than any of us has gone, 
this is really bad news. Yeah, but you kind of buy why. Well, I I understand why Luke feels like he has to, regardless. It's like he knows. Well, the like, key line is. Um, have we got, I don't know if we've got to them being captured at Cloud City yet. But not yet, no. That's, no. that's what he's responding to. So obviously we're doing this slightly out of sequence. But yeah. There's a bit where, where um, Solo is clearly being tortured. Yeah. And when he's returned to, like, the fucking holding pen and dumped to the floor, he says they didn't even ask me anything. Yeah. They yeah. don't give a shit about knowing anything. They are literally trying to just, like, cause a disturbance in the force to draw Luke in. That's all it is, and Yoda knows that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, as as soon as he's done his, his ship raising thing, that's when you you cut back and they see the uh, the Imperial fleet go to light speed, and then they go off with all the garbage that comes out, um, which is a great touch, um, and go off to to Cloud City. Scored nicely as well. Yeah, absolutely. Whole, just yeah, and then. Uh, but you see Boba Fett. Well, I just, I'm no score expert, but I, I do kind of think here it might be the best example of, of the series that I could think of of Williams finding the pace of each scene mm. in what he's scoring. Just finds the pace perfectly each time. It is just inch perfect. And there's so many great moments in. It's like when you have the, uh, when they get to Cloud City. And they're going through all the all the clouds. You hear this kind of female choir, and it's very much like sirens, as in the kind of uh, P.S. Uh, uh, yeah, sirens as in uh, the Odyssey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, when I went P.S., I was thinking of sirens from the first episode of Red Dwarf Six. Yes, that's what you're going But it's ba- it's based on the same thing. Yeah. Uh, in in the Odyssey, Homer in uh, what Simpson? Just, Homer Simpson. <laughs> Odysseus, no. Odysseus, uh, sorry, I think Homer wrote it. Odysseus dis, uh, uh, heard the song of the sirens, but had to be sort of tethered to a post, and all his sort of crew had to wear like wax in their ears because their song was so beautiful, you would never leave. Yeah. And it's that idea of like. Um, the irresistible call. That's Absolutely. what Simon's yeah. represent. Yeah, and kind of just there's that. Then it lands, and there's Lando comes out, and there's the kind of little moment when you're not sure exactly what's going to happen. Especially again, because uh, this this is the great way that Star Wars, especially especially in this film, um, fills out back little backstories without kind of going into exposition. It's like when when Han and Leia have the fight at the beginning, the argument in the tunnel. And and he says, um, and he has, says the bounty hunters, we ran into an odd man, I'll change my mind. And that, so you've got that image of people chasing him and that kind of thing, um, just from that single line. And then when they're going to Cloud City, it's like, I thought you knew this person. And then Chewie growls and he says, that was a long time ago. I'm sure he's forgotten about that. <laughs> and again, it's a really funny moment, but it tells you something. And it kind of clues you in, so you're not sure. So when in that opening moment, when you're not sure what they're going to do, and they make a stance to fight. I love that. Um, I'm sure we'll get way too much of that in the backstory, but um, yeah, the whole language of it is what a bunch of lads. Yeah, you know, yeah. 
scoundrels. The Chinese are a great bunch of lads. So he's a scoundrel, you like him. Yeah, it's just like, it was probably a lot of fun. It was probably a bit heated and it was probably really, really irresponsible, whatever yeah. it is that happened. Yeah, and, and and so you've got them having this little tour uh, and being led through and then 3PO ends up in this in this room after being sworn at by a droid. Again, that's so, it's just a bit where he sees an, an identical droid. Well, here's, here's what sounds like uh, R2, doesn't he? And goes like, oh, yeah. R2. Well, it's, 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 it's just before that, when, when the droid comes out of the... Oh, uh, yes, of course, yeah. Comes out of the door and he, get, and he goes, Ichuta! And he goes, how rude! And he, yeah, and that's, like, that sounds like an R2 unit. So were they, was, it, was that... I um, Was that uh, Boba Fett or was that Stormtroopers? I or? think it's just a Stormtrooper, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's too low work for Boba Fett, I think. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then you cut back to to Luke, who by now has kind of seen in the force and has made his decision that he has to go and rescue them. Um, and there's, there's again, this is uh, like talking about Mark Hamill's acting. There's a moment where he's kind of fit, putting all his stuff back in his X-wing, and he and he picks up a snake in the in one of the engine bits of the X-wing, and it bites him, and he doesn't flinch. And it's just, it's like the, the bit in Raiders of the Lost Ark when he swallows the fly. Oh, yeah. It's just a really I great never moment. noticed that but, bit before, actually. But that, that whole sequence I love with Obi-Wan and, and Yoda telling him. Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to say Obi-Wan turning up. Um, whatever wig they put on him at this time is way more obvious than the one he wore in the new hope, even though it's the same <laughs> design. Um I, I like this because we weren't expecting it. Again, think of a 1980s audience. They like go to see they've this. Ever seen before. I know, and they hear rumours maybe Alec Guinness in, is in this, and it's like, well, he's dead, isn't he? And then he turns up looking like a ready break ad. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't like that force ghost effect. It oh, I love it. I do, I, I quite like it. I've got no problem with it. I'm just parodying what it kind of looks a bit like. It doesn't really break adverts are from the early 80s on the TV budget. They look nowhere near this good. But it it would be would have been odd at the time. And it, it's a nod to the universe that's been created and the filmmakers that they make it feel natural within a minute or two. Before this scene finishes, you're perfectly happy that Mark Hamble's talking to a puppet and a ghost. Mm. The stakes are made very clear to him, probably almost too clear. Maybe yeah. they're slightly overstated. Well, this it's it's interesting because, but it sets up a very nerve wracking third act. There's there's the bit where he Yoda and um, Yoda's just resigned to let him go, so he starts to kind of actually give him advice, which is really good because kind of like you expect in a lot of those things that he goes off against their wishes and what have you. But the fact that he turns around and and kind of strong as Vader, mind what you have learned, save you it can. Um, it's just it's a great little touch, and again the kind of character Yoda is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, but the the thing is as well, there's a line here where he says uh, that boy is our last hope. Yeah. And Yoda replies, "No, there is another." And with what we know of what comes later, we assume. 
they're saying Leia. Actually, what George Lucas has said and others have said is that it was just to put in your mind that Luke could die. If he's not our last hope, then he could die and they could yeah. focus on another one. That's all it is. They don't mm. appear to know it's Leia at this stage. Particularly bearing in mind we've made nothing of it, but uh, Luke and Leia had a little snog earlier in the film. Yeah. And Luke I do love the evidently face, would have knocked one out to that. But he <laughs> looks very, very pleased with himself right after. Where, where, where was bothered. his full sensitivity on that one? Like That's gone to the spank <laughs> I mean, it's, it, at this point, they were still talking about it being nine parts. Obviously, that has come to fruition now, but back then, this was still kind of there was there's still to be nine parts of the whole thing, and the emperor wasn't going to be in it until like episode nine or something like that. Um, obviously, one one of the massive fallouts of this film and. The fact it went over budget and things like that was the the loss of Gary Kurtz. Well, they fell out as well in, in the next yeah. one with the whole teddy bear thing, and you know uh, Han not dying and lots of lots of things. Kurtz saw it a different way. He saw this yeah. a lot more artistically pure and hardcore. He felt yeah, uh, he felt Lucas was compromising a lot for commerce and all that kind of stuff. Mm. What? Lucas? Compromise? Nah. Never. Yeah. Um, which was which was like the real kind of antithesis of Lucas at this time. You get to see Chewie, and uh, they play Piggy in the middle with him with Freepio's head. <laughs> the Ugnaughts. Oh, best thing and, um, oh, it's, it's, it's Again, it's just funny. It's funny. It's, yeah, just, there, is, it, there are moments of levity in this film, but it's added a few and far between, but this is one of them. It's really good. Ridiculous. Um... And uh, and then he comes back and again it's just re- before he comes in there's a really nice moment where um, Han and Leia are chatting and um, they're talking about Han's future but they're not talking about it and then there's a and then there's a line where he says where he says as soon as the Falcon's done we'll soon be gone and then she says and then you're as good as gone aren't you mm. and then he kind of looks at her and. Um, takes her hands and it's a really interesting moment again showing that there's not a set future there's there's kind of a touch to the last film as well with the the idea that you know he he just thinks about himself and he'll just leave it the available opportunity and she's kind of like yeah. almost like saying you're that still you're still that same old guy aren't you you know mm. you'll just jump jump at drop a hat really um i think there's there's an element to that as well yeah and then they meet Darth Vader. Yeah, I mean, we're not really talking about Lando um, much, but uh, he he he's kind of uh, set up as like, yeah, he's he's the friendly guy. He hits on Leia, yeah, as soon as, soon as he sees her. Which I, 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 I don't know whether that's half because that's just who he is. He's like hitting on people, or whether that's that's, that's partly of his banter with uh, Han, like they just always kind of like try and compete for what each other have. I think he, I think he probably is just like that anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, and then again, it's, it's that kind of moment where he's giving his speech about, um, Oh, I've just made a deal to make, make sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's such a great moment that you, you only kind of suspect at the last moment and you see Chewie knows something is up. Yeah. It's the, 
See, the animals are always the first to know. I, 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 um, think, I think the time is right, because you hear it, you think, hmm, hang on, but that sounds like, whoosh, <laughs> Yeah, and then, uh, and then, yeah, you've got Darth Vader and Boba Fett. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, they, they got on, like Dave said, to, to start torturing Luke, uh, uh, Han, um, to, uh, to get Luke, to bait Luke. And and Lando admits it as much because Vader's not subtle about it at all. Yeah. What do you make of this, Becca? I think for me, it's one of the high points in the film. Personally speaking. I mean, <laughs> um, it, it's, you know, it is that pivotal moment where I mean, you always think of like I think in, mo- in most films at at some point it's like the the turning point for the third act. So, you know, the, the, we get get to kind of close off the film, and, and at that point, usually. Everything is at its lowest. Like, um, like it, it's like the the darkest time in the film where like the good guy is seemingly defeated or Apparently, all, is, yeah, this all is, like, is lost. It's known as the point of no return. Almost, and then, and now the the hero has to yeah, you have to overcome the that. obstacle to turn yeah. things around. And yeah, I mean, or, you can't or or someone say like the 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 story of the film changes. You know, so it like so. Uh, the many examples, but if you like look at the last act of the film, the, the actual plot, the film changes to like what the type of story it is to something else to kind of like res- resolve the rest of the film. So th- for me, that I kind of like look at it as that way, is that this this is like the turning point in the film. Um, mm. But yeah, go on. Sorry, think... sorry to cut you off, Becca. No, that's fine. <laughs> I think a really a, a really interesting point as well that again that, that kind of it's kind of gruesome. Um, but I, I kind of again, again shows how callous Vader is, but how kind of single-minded in what he's doing is. Is he doesn't stick around to, to torture Han himself. He, um, he, he comes out and starts talking to Boba Fett um, while you hear Han screaming in the background, and it's just a, a real kind of moment where, he, and and then Vader kind of makes his. Changes the deal with Lando. Oh, the change of Boba Fett voice. Oh, oh dear, dearie, dearie, It's kind of, it's it's a result that suffers from retro fitting. I, I don't know. I mean, oh, I'm, shit. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Charlie whether he, what what he what he thinks of Boba Fett. I mean, do you think fans are kind of ruined Boba Fett? Like in terms of like that, what how they perceive it in terms of like fans. Perception and so Lucas felt like they have he had to kind of like add more in the prequels and it's kind of ruined it. Or do you no, I think I think George Lucas ruined Boba Fett. Um, he's he's always been a character. I mean, I I I love him to bits, um, and I always have. He's he's always been a kind of a bit of a divisive character, but and and he's had kind of so much kind of written about him in like when they had like the expanded universe and things like that, where he kind of survives and things like that and um so so i I think there was there was an element that when attack of the clothes came around and there was the response to the phantom menace i think there's very clear moments in that film where lucas has gone okay we need to kind of try and get the fans back so what can i do i'll put boba fett in there what am I going to do? I'm going to make him a little kid that hangs around with his dad. Little kid, and, um, that's his fucking problem. 
And little yeah. kid, little kid, little kid. That's we're, we're basically his... got a little kid with basically Boba Fett. Like Jango Fett is basically mm. Boba Fett. It's... Yes, he is. Of course, he is. Just slightly shinier. <laughs> yeah. So then they have to change, and then this whole oh, because of the continuity, we have to change his voice, and it's shit. I've got nothing against Timur Morrison, the guy who does the voices for the clones and was Django Fett. Um, he's normally a pretty decent actor. Um, but, again, it's, he's probably un- under George Lucas' direction. And I think it's the fact that uh, the original voice is really kind of creepy. And his isn't. And it's assuming that you yeah. sound exactly like your father. I know it's a clone of, but... If you're brought up somewhere completely different from me, you'll sound different from me, even if we're twins. Yeah. It doesn't really work. But also, wouldn't that mean every single Stormtrooper would have to sound like him as well now? Well, going forward, no, because they're, they're not clones later on. Right, okay. Certainly in the prequel years, yes. But they do. It's not so much whether it's historically accurate and everything else. It's more the fact that when it was Jeremy Bullock... He's worth a lot to me. Is really kind of unnerving. But it, it wasn't actually Jeremy Bullock's voice. No, no, sorry. When it, it was yeah, a guy sorry. called Jason Wingreen. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that yeah, that was the thing. It was so menacing. And again, Boba Fett was kind of built up as this really kind of menacing, great character. A because of how fucking cool he looked, and also because of that voice. So, like, so was that kind of like how? What what I can wonder is is what the what was it about Boba Fett that 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 put the the spark in fans' imagination? Because obviously, I think to to George Lucas himself, it was just like a a henchman character who didn't really. So I think he kind of underestimated. It was. I think it was like he made this kind of henchman character that. That fans uh, really, really drawn to, and took a like uh, life to her own. So when he got killed off in the next in the next film, in the manner that he does, Lucas didn't think. Well, that doesn't really matter that much because he's not that. He's, that character is not necessarily that important. But fans are like really disappointed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it's maybe because he's one of the few characters in the film that doesn't cower from Vader. And then, and then, and because there's there's the bit where when they're torturing Han Solo, Vader comes out and says, "You you take Cap- Captain Solo to Jabba after Skywalker," and he goes, "He's no good to me, dead." And it's it's the way he talks back to Darth Vader. And in a film where we we've seen people half a dozen people seem to be choked yeah. by Darth Vader for doing for he's doing. He's the only character that does that, things. really, doesn't he? Anybody yeah. else? I guess it. I, th- I think, I think you're right. I mean, I never thought of it like that. That I would, I would say that it's probably more the case of Jabba, you know, in terms of like uh, Jabba the Hutt's kind of uh, kind of a law onto himself because he gets like a bunch of bounty hunters, including um, Boba Fett. They don't seem to count from Vader either. Um, though, though, I, will, I will add. I think it's kind of funny that scene where like. Oh, they got a bunch of bounty hunters to find um, yeah. to find Han Solo. Then it's like, right, go and find him. Oh, look, there he is. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny, but <laughs> yeah, but but 
I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Vader got Vader got them all together, so he obviously knows Boba Fett's reputation. Yeah, and their reputation. No disintegration. Because um, yeah, because thinking thinking how many, um, are they, how many uh, bounty hunters there must be in that universe, and they've already talked about them previously in the in the opening. So it's kind of establishing that. I must say, I was a little bit disappointed how we didn't have like. Like a huge hunt, bounty hunter hunt on on Han Solo, like we, there could there could have been like there could have been a really cool film there somewhere. Where it was just well, it like, was kind of set up for that because there were several of them. Yeah, I would I would, I would have liked to see where they like sort of like or like try like to capture him and they all get picked off one by one. I would have loved to see that film, and it was just like the end. It was always like um, Boba Fett that gets him, but uh, I guess that's the thing because they wanted to to follow him. Yeah. And uh, and he yeah so he was obviously set up from the beginning to be the number one bounty hunter, um, and he's he's got an interesting kind of because of his costume as well it's it's kind of it looks kind of like it's kind of put together from other things and there's like bits like he's got like braids that kind of look like they're kind of hairs from Wookies and things like that and you can, it's kind of I mean that's another thing that Star Wars amazingly does um, even in the prequels. Is um, tell story through costume and through the production design, mm. and kind of so you, you have these ideas um, about, about these people. It's like Han Solo. You, you look at Han Solo and you immediately see the gunslinger from a thousand Western films with these tiny little futuristic touches, um, and and Bob Fett's kind of the same and. Uh, yeah, he, he was just kind of again, yeah, a cool guy. Or a decent bloke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, uh, and talk, didn't take any shit from Darth Vader, <laughs> which which no one else did. Well, he's a law to him, so well, a law of jabbers, I, th- I guess. But it kind of like he doesn't have to take orders from Vader, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. We don't know. We don't know his relationship with Jabba the Hutt. Um, and it's never really made clear, to be honest with you. The only thing that's, that's really said is, it's, it's known that Jabba the Hutt, we, we know that from the first film that Jabba the Hutt has a, pounce, has a bounty on Han's head. And then going from that, um, saying you can take Captain Snow to Jabba the Hutt, just inferring that, that that's what he's going to do. And it's a nice byproduct of Vader trying to find Luke and trying to, trying to trap Luke. Mm. Which then he goes, he goes, says, okay, we'll, we'll put him in carbon freeze and then we have to test it on Captain Solo in case it kills him. Which is a really kind of a really neat way to uh, to, to have a, a, a little mini emotional climax before the end of the film with putting Han in carbonite. And again, it's, it's an amazing scene. You know, it only really hit me like why he says I know. And, it, and it's kind of almost like in the same vein of what their relationship's been like to this point of like them always kind of teasing each other, like uh, being almost like being at each other's throats. He's always been like, kind of, come on, you you can't get enough of me, you know. So it's almost like he says he says it. The line I know is meant is like how he would say it if he was joking, but how he says it is kind of dead stern and serious, as as you're saying, I love you too. So I think that's kind of it's a nice little niche. Of a char- of of a character trait that actually made complete sense to me for the first time. I don't know how what you guys thought of it, but 
Yeah, it's the whole the whole male thing as well as uh, not being able to say I love you back. Mm. Um, and it's kind of yeah plays into his character. Um, but yeah, behind, it's it's the thing behind that as well. Like you said, that yeah, it just makes it work so well. Definitely, I like if, if it was if it's by any other character or definitely by certainly by somebody else. Or say if Harrison Ford hadn't played that role, I don't think it would have been as iconic an exchange as it is now. I think because you have that character, you have that backstory, and because it's Harrison Ford, it works completely. Um, and the same as if it was any other character. I don't know. I don't know. Mark Hamill saying it, it wouldn't feel the same. Yeah, exactly, because um, it's the way that Han's character has yeah. already been established. Yeah, you know that he's, you know, got full, <laughs> full of himself. I was going to quote Bond number, but it's not relevant. Um, but, you know, it's, it's because you have, you know, that character and because of the house of Ford, I do think it is. It's, it's just classic, isn't it? It's like, it's you know, you see it on Valentine's Day cards and it's just like, oh. Do you? So, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, all the time. I've, I've got a... Um... I've got a pendant, and my wife has as well. Um, that oh. we got, I, got, I bought her for her anniversary. Oh, you um, got one half, and she's got the other. One half says "I love you," <gasps> and the other half says "I know." Oh. I love it. It's like warm and fuzzy. That's like the best thing uh, ever. Yeah, and it's, it's it's become an iconic thing for kind of geek love. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's, it's a great line. It's a great line. What what they do dramatically to these characters in the sequel to kind of the biggest film of all time. It's it's just astonishing and kind of, it's kind of expected now, but um, you, you think back then as well, it's like, okay, so right, we're going to freeze the biggest star of the film. They tease you with it as well. They kind of tease you as if to say like, we we can save him. We can, you know, they can sort of like yeah. just get, get the shit and then and they get there just as it flies off. It's like, oh. <laughs> and then Luke shows up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and from that moment, it's just, it's so good. The whole duel, and it shits over anything in the prequels. That's... Absolutely agreed. I I can make a case for next week, but we'll yeah. get there. But Again, there's certain there's... elements to next week, but it, it's about telling a story, and the prequels don't do that. Yeah. They look how many flips we could do. This is brilliant. And again, it's, 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 it's the way Vader, like Luke, Luke goes right up to him, and Vader hits him right away, and he goes down. And you can, and it's setting the stakes from there on. This is this is not going to be an easy fight. And the way Vader uses one arm, just uses his, his lightsaber with yeah, one hand. Yeah, that's the other thing. It really contrasts with next week mm. because next week is almost the mirror opposite. Yeah, Vader is absolutely trying his best next week. Uh, this week, not so much. Yeah, he's just kind of playing with his food almost. I, uh, I mean, my, my favourite bit where he sort of knocks Luke into the carbonite thing, he, he goes like, all too easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's kind of a real kind of arrogance there. And then you kind of see it change a little bit over the duel. But um, when he kind of goes into into the into that room and then he starts really, th- when he starts throwing things at him with the force, and it looks so painful because you see... Luke just missing, trying to hit him out of the way. Oh, he's 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 almost dazed by it. And yeah, bruised. and there's oh. there's things battering him in the back. You really feel like the pain <clears throat> in that scene, don't you? You kind of feel like he's really getting knocked around, and he's actually getting real um, injuries. Yeah, and he really does take a beating. And there's a um, it's it's really nice the way that's that scene goes, and then he um, 
he kind of knock, knocks the big thing and it smashes the window and then kind of sucks Luke out of it. And it goes from that really that scene to them escaping from, from Cloud City, which is a bit more of an uplifting scene. But again, really funny because you have Lando rescuing them um, and then Chewie tries to choke him. Um, and then um, uh, where, where R2 meets back up with 3PO. I find and, that's a bit uh, silly. To be I think it kind of breaks the tone a little bit. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. But for me, it kind of breaks it a little bit. But oh well. I think it's it's to to me it's there's a lot of it's kind of especially since R two is such an unsung hero in these in the in the films sort of or but at least from the the in film perspective um, and the, and there's there's a bit where he says R two you can plug in and override the system and he plugs in and he says how was I supposed to know it was a power terminal and then um, when he does it again yeah. later. And he says, we don't need to know about the Millennium Vulcan's hyperdrive. It's fixed. And again, his 3, 3PO's arrogance and his kind of really kind of um, brashness against against R2, um, which tell, telling him that. And then finding out later on that it isn't fixed and that it's been deactivated. Um, again, it's, it's a really funny moment that pays off later. And then there's the moment where R2 does open the door. And he sprays all that stuff out, all the, all the fog or whatever, to the stormtroopers. And then you see him kind of triumphantly rolling out. Um, and it's just a great kind of little moment because it's a, it's a breather from that fight. And then when you go back to the fight again, Vader is just on one. Oh, fair enough. And, and just gets absolutely crazy at Luke. And again, it's, it's totally mirrored. In, the, in next week's because it's the way he just goes on and on and on and on and then event, it ends with him cutting his hand off and, and again how, how many films do you see where the hero's hand is cut off yeah, only in Star Wars it's really. probably not your, mm. not your typical hero in this respect Yeah, it's why you're following that traditional heroic arc and that um, how the, you know the, what I would call it yeah heroic storyline um because the there are only like seven journey. stories that you can tell. Yeah, um, the hero's journey thing. Hero's journey, that's the one. Thank you. I'll be surprised if we don't see that happen in Last Jedi as well. Oh, I imagine so. It, it does in everything. Well, you're alert. <laughs> Where he gets a hand chopped off. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking possibly more of um, Rilo. Rilo? Rilo? Rilo, is it? Well, well, <laughs> he said oh, Rilo Ken around. then. Adam Driver. <laughs> yeah, Adam, yeah, Adam Driver, yeah. Rilo Ken, that's his name. Rilo <laughs> Ken, yeah. <laughs> that's his good... Um, Ken Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> Snowden. And then he says, "You know, I am your father." Which apparently was kept from David Prowls. I mean, he he, he was like, yeah. he, he was dead annoyed because like was I a thought... famous leaker. Yes. Yeah, they told him not to look at the script. I well, know they just said something different. It said Obi Wan is your father. Yeah, and they only told um, Mark Hamill on the set, like before they were about to do it. They just took him aside and said, "He's going to say this Obi Wan's killed your father." He's actually saying, but, "Yeah, but I mean, it's he saying I am your father." We can never recapture how that must have felt at the time to watch no. this. No, that's really sad. I wish I could. Because given how dark this, I mean, like we we were set, we set up with um, 
Vader as the big bad uh, next week. So he said, okay, he's like kind of the the evil Jedi that has to be defeated. Uh, and this week they go hard and he's choking everyone left, right and centre. He's determined. He's he's a lot harsher in this. And then for, for turn around and say, oh, actually, no, I'm your, I'm your father. I'm, <laughs> I'm your daddy. Um, yeah. You know, it is like a, what the fuck? The thing is as well, because he does all the no thing, but after that, he kind of immediately accepts it. Yeah, search your feelings, you know it's to be true. And he's like... And he's, and he's kind of saying, Ben, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. And it's, well, it's... As, as he as he leaps away from it, uh, or falls away from it, it's only the 97 special edition that stuck the scream on it. Actually, strangely, stuck the Emperor's scream on from... Yeah, that's from fucking but awful. pointless, because why would he scream? He's doing this by choice. And it's supposed to suggest he's getting stronger with the Force, and getting stronger with the Force implies a certain inner peace. Yeah, I mean, it was, there was, originally they shot, I don't know if it was just like an alternate kind of scene, they, they, but they shot it where um, he, ju- he, lo- he leapt and then Vader grabbed him with the force and held him up and then dropped him. Right. Um, obviously, didn't you? But in one of the early trailers, you can see Vader in that pose with his fist, and then you can see him use the force with it. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. With, like, say, one hand and use his hand outstretched. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, that's used all the time, isn't it? But, uh, but yeah, that, I mean, again, it's the great moment, the great thing that I get about Luke um, is that he 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 falls. He decides that he he's, he's happy to sacrifice himself. Yes, exactly. That's the point. That's why you don't have him scream. Yeah. Also, you get in the fact that um, Vader's also deliberately um, sabotaged the hyperdrive on the Falcon. So he goes, all right, fine, well, then I'm, and I'm not getting away. Yeah. Uh, yes, that would be exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And then he ends up going down a little tunnel and another tunnel. Um, and then hanging on, essentially, well, some kind of weather vane type thing. Mm. Um, That's only as he knows he's going to move. Now, this is the only other thing where I'm not quite sure what, what uh, George and Kirsch were going for here. In that there was a hint earlier at Leia, but we know they didn't know it was Leia. And yet he uses the force to speak to Leia here. Is that just trying to tell us he's force sensitive or remind us? Or is that a hint? It can't be a hint if they don't know. No, I, th- I think that's that's him. That's that's mentioned it to him, okay. um, and uh, yeah, it it might have been an idea that they hadn't decided on, but they could spin it off either way. That is solely him, or it could you know you you, you could be play either way. But um, yeah, I mean it's, it is a nice. I mean if, if that had been the case, it would that would have been a nice hint. But uh, I mean, I think it's building on from when he was doing his training from Yoda when he when he originally saw the the kind of visions where he says thing through the four things you will see other places, the future, the past, old friends long gone. Um, so I think it may be just kind of building from that. But again, <laughs> again, Chewbacca, because um, she says we've got to go back, and then he's like, what? She says. <laughs> I know where Luke is, and and he's in the background, and she's ignoring him, Lando completely, and Chewie's like, 
And then she says, Chewie, just do it. And then Lando says, but what about those fighters? And he just growls at Lando so fiercely. <laughs> and it's, it's really quite strong because like, I've been, I, I mean, I don't think I did this time, but I've been known to, it's not one of those where you'll jump 10 feet in the air. Mm. It's the it's one where you'll suddenly shudder slightly in your sh- in your seat. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's quite scary. You think, oh. <laughs> and then they uh, they rescue Luke, and again, stupid fucking special edition. The pointless Vader going to a shuttle. I oh, know. Yeah, just <laughs> um, pointless. Just, just fill in the gap, I think. Well, there wasn't a gap. That's the point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no gap to fill. It ruins the tension because you're cutting from the Tie Fighters chasing the Millennium Falcon to just these shots of the shuttle, and then there was it was an outtake of Return of the Jedi where he gets. It's better when you don't know where he is because he could turn Mm. up at any time. Exactly. It's scarier. You're going like, well, no panic. There he is. It's not even at his ship yet. I always kind of liked the, and it, it didn't annoy me that as much, but in Rogue One, you saw it as well at the end when he went and he boarded the ship and, he, and you saw the same shuttle. Um, but I always kind of liked that it was it was Return of the Jedi. It was like a ship from that film. Yeah. And then when you kind of saw it popping up, I played this but as well. And apparently they used a, um, a line that was cut out of Star Wars. Um, where, because... And, and again, this is, it fucks up things in a number of different ways. A, because Vader's voice is, is pretty different in Empire than it is in Star Wars. So you see him just just go to walk out of the walkway, and you can tell he's really, really pissed that Luke's gone. Um, and he just, just says, bring my shuttle. Um, and then it cuts from there. And then in the new one, it, it's, it comes this, alert my Star Destroyer to prepare for my arrival. And it's a bit of a, it's an awkward line anyway. Um, and then there's a horrible CG shot of him walking out to the shuttle on the landing pad. It's it's more it's it's more irritating because it's just like, well, what's this for? Like, no one needed this. That's the point with most of his changes. That when he cleans up an effect, I, I don't <coughs> agree because he sticks a load of shitty CG in it. But you go, well, like, okay, I see what he's trying to do. But there are things in this you go, well, like, come on. You're trained, you know, you've trained in filmmaking. It's like last week. It's like, well, you know the Jabba scene doesn't need to go there because you've already exposited everything that's in that scene. He should know, but it's a guy who's got no objectivity. He's too close to his own material, I think. I think that's entirely what Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And and otherwise, that that chase is real nail-biting, especially since... From that, you've got Vader and Luke almost talking to each other. So you've got you've got Vader contacting Luke through the Force, and he and again, it's he where he says Luke, and he says Father. So he's immediately kind of accepted it, kind of. Yeah, and then he says Ben, why don't you tell me? So you see, Luke is really kind of psychologically damaged from this, as well as being battered in himself but he knows i remember the thing is when um i mean there can always be a twist you know in three years time you can retcon anything yeah but given it's 1980 i remember james Earl jones saying that the first time he saw that he thought no he's lying yeah but the film is telling us no he isn't yeah the film leaves us in no doubt it would take a retcon to undo that this film is telling us yes vader is telling the truth here absolutely and um, 
again, you see Chewie getting really annoyed and just smashing the... Uh, but the well, films, are, a lot of the films like that, I love it. It's not like the Star Trek reboots where they all run around screaming at each other. It's it's volume getting out of control from yeah. stress of a situation. Mm. And you've got a group of people who we subconsciously root for because they're no better than us, really. I mean, Luke is, because he's got the Force and all the rest of it, and we later find out Leia is, actually. But at this point, they're going into situations with a half-decent ship, but it's broken, and when it does work, they don't quite know what they're doing. And it's really, really effective. It's really handy for, like, character identification, mm, or identifying yeah. with a character. And and just just that final chase sequence is so tense. So again, you've got the Millennium Falcon running from Star Destroyer and all these TIE fighters, and it's that bloody massive Star Destroyer as well. And it's kind of, you, you kind of think Vader's in hands, and then once again, it's R2-D2 who, uh, who saves the day. R2 to the rescue. Yeah, and and again, <laughs> you've got three P3P saying, Chewbacca can do it, and saying, why, why? I'm standing here in pieces and you're having delusions of grandeur. And then he does it and he says, Archie, you did it. <laughs> yeah. See, like, then, it's, it's basically a great turncoat, isn't it? One minute he's like, oh, to you piece of shit. And then he's like, oh, no, you're amazing. Yeah. You've done it. And then the amazing yeah. visual gag at the end where you've got Vader who's who's just looked out the window, seen the Millennium Falcon go to hyperspace. He turns, he looks back almost in disbelief. And then he puts his just puts his um, hands behind his back and just walks off and every single person looks back to see if someone's going to die or if they're, <laughs> they're going to get it. And it's, yeah, it's, 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 there's so many little moments in the film that don't necessarily get picked up, but it's just really, really funny, just, just lovely humour. And then an ending that is just, it's full of hope, but it's really, it's again, it's, it's, because they can't have an actual story climax, it's an emotional climax, but we're just left with that hope. I also like how Vader, like, kind of calls to Luke as well, like, kind of, like, almost, like, trying to beckons him almost, or, like, kind of a beckon slash taunt, you know, it's kind mm. of, like, kind of, like, so Luke... Never, ever heard that as a taunt. And, uh, wait, I, I don't know, because I think it can, it's almost... I don't think he need like... Vader is kind of is, is beckoning him, but it, it it's almost kind of like from Luke's perspective, it's kind of like taunting him. It's like kind of torturing him a little bit because he's kind of like, oh, you're making me relive that thing. You know, I'm just kind of recovering from it, and now Vader's in my head again. You know, why didn't you tell me, Ben? <laughs> it's it's is Vader again putting his plan into action? Because um, when he says we can destroy the Emperor, mm. he has for. He has foreseen this. We can rule the galaxy as father and son. So again, he's putting that in his mind. Yeah, and we have, he has his hand replaced, and they look at the window. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and again, it's a lovely shot where, again, it's kind of in a pre-CGI area, uh, era, sorry, when they're looking out the window, and then it cuts to the ship. And, and, and the one wearing like the type of clothes they were wearing in the first film as well, I noticed. Well, it's like medical gown things, aren't they? Yeah, she's, but... Well, she's wearing a, a white dress, yeah. And he's got something that's very reminiscent of... 
New Hope. Yeah, and and the is music it, here is amazing. Is it the next film that um, and Lando and is, yeah, they basically swap outfits. This well, is yeah. the end of this one. Yeah, it's yeah, the end of this one. Basically, they're wearing exact same clothes. clothes. Like, yeah, he's wearing a, a vest and a yeah, <laughs> and a shirt. He's copying his look. Yeah, he's basically like a black hand. <laughs> but but, but uh, Lando's is a bit is a bit more uh, a bit more suave. Yeah, I think Lando's got the style edge. Yeah, he's got he's got a big collar and he's got a bigger. He's got all his buttons done up, and whereas Han always looks a bit kind of Bando solo. (laughs) Yeah, and yeah, and it's just just the way you you have you you see the Millennium Falcon from that perspective. It's it's an it's an amazing way to to kind of have that. So you see the Falcon leaving, and there's a little kind of beep from Archie because. Like a really, already kind of sad kind of beep, and the music is just kind of swelling, and it's just such an amazingly emotional moment. And and again, it's it's the first time we see the rebel fleet as well. Yeah, absolutely, because they've yeah, just been a ragtag of human beings. Yeah. Well, it's it's not that massive, really. It's probably an underdog story, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah. Well, when you think, you know, they had a Death Star in the last film that, as soon as they got close to, they were dwarfed. You can actually see them within the whole fleet here. It's not that big. That's exactly yeah. the point. Yeah, it's not until the next film where they kind of mass get get everyone else, get help from other places and the modern calamari and all that stuff, and where it really gets kind of to or size. But even that, not kind of a quarter of the empires. Empires there, and that I think is the Empire Strikes Back. Final thoughts, folks. Uh, okay, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> uh, I like it. I don't love it. I wish I liked. It. I, I wish I loved it as as much as um, as most fans do. Uh, and in, in a way, I'm kind of jealous because I, I I wish I wish I had it. I wish I I I did share that love. But for me, it I I it has its moments when it's when it drags. Uh, some parts don't work for me, but where it matters, it does. Uh, so I can I understand why fans love it. I, I just I just can't. I like it. Okay. I have to agree as well. Um, I mean I do I do enjoy this film. There are aspects of it that I like and aspects of it that I love. Um, but just do like and there are as we've spoken touched of you. There are some a few moments of levity, but they're just not as often as I would like them to be. Um, and the tone of this film is very dark for me. Um, but that's not to say I still do like it. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was pleased that it was chosen for the secret cinema rather than the than the episode four. And then that's it. Yeah, no, I do I do like it. I do enjoy it. It's just not my favourite, and I, I wouldn't be able to align myself with the rest of the fans who do say this is the best Star Wars film. Yeah, I'm just kind of in in the middle, in the middle, really. I um, I the the very I mean the only flaw I can give this is this is this is a film that is some somewhat aimed towards children not this particular chapter necessarily but star wars in general and the fact that i didn't appreciate this film until my late teens is actually something of a knock on it it's the film that you're kind of bored with when you're a teenager when you're a child sorry a very young child now there are exceptions to any rule and uh, uh, a lot of people would disagree with that but like kids prefer one or three 
But that said, I sit with it as an adult, and I'm not looking... I mean, I sat and talked to Chris recently about the summer releases, and we got onto Pixar, and I was talking about how the tone of films you go to see with the Pixar um, canon vary, that you go and see, like, Up, and it appeals to everybody, or Toy Story. Then you go and see Wally, and it doesn't appeal to very young children, which means that it can be the greatest film in the world, and it's... Uh, failed its target audience in some ways that's not true here the films are of a piece but it's a film that rewards repeat viewing in a way nothing else in the series really does i mean they're all worth watching you can keep watching them no problem at all but this is the one film you watch and you find extra layers in all the time it is the best film in the series is it a great film possibly not it's the greatest part of a great saga though uh, and that's where I'll leave it, Charlie. Yeah, um, it's definitely the great, the the best film in the series. I think it is a great film. Um, I think there's just some things it does where I don't want to say elevate the material because that per- perhaps does a disservice to the original Star Wars. But the kind of the kind of things that it does with Yoda and and with the kind of the mythic stuff there. And what it does with Vader's character and then the, uh, the relationship with Luke is just so great. And it's endlessly inventive and just wonderfully emotional. And I think it's, it's so difficult to talk about this and Star Wars on a kind of competitive level because they're so different. Again, Star Wars is very much a fairy tale whereas Empire is kind of going much more into kind of like deeper myth. And when you get to Return of the Jedi, it tries to balance the two and doesn't always work out as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just everything in this film is just put together so well that uh, I just have real trouble looking at any of it and kind of faulting it really is that a natural thing for trilogies is like because typically the second one is usually darker but is the third one usually like a mixture of the like into of, to, of the two tones from the first two is that a common trait do you think do you guys think i don't I know some, really. i know some trilogies that don't fit that pattern there's one that could spring to mind definitely but i don't know um it's dep- a good question actually i mean i suppose it depends how again because 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 of the middle because it's a it's middle, middle film yeah because because it has that that section them them and and so what what the the last film has to do is it has to provide a satisfactory conclusion um while dealing with all the fallout from that but while kind of going back to getting back to the original um equilibrium to steal one of the kind of classic Hollywood models, um, which is a part of the the first film. It's like when you look at kind of like Lord of the Rings or something like that as well. It's kind of like the the, the tone because it's because it's all supposed to be one thing and not a trilogy anyway. The tone is all kind of a bit more um, consistent anyway. But you can kind of again because. Um, you can still kind of see where it is kind of having shades of the previous and mixing those in because you have to 
have those uh, have those things reconciled really. So you have those different story strands, and uh, and yeah, and getting back to the status quo. I know. I guess also it also leads with the the first one probably trying to find its feet, and then they kind of make a more decisive tone with the come the second one as well. So it was just it was just a thought, just a question that just hit me just then. So I just thought I'd ask it. Um, but I'm I'm needing some sort of fun and some sort of fat um, some kind of fat bitch. Um, Becky, have you got anything? Yeah, I had to find two new fun facts. We revealed a few of us. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, you didn't really. It's fine. Don't worry. So you just um, have to quickly look on the IMDb trivia. And just yeah, I was going to say, it's not an extensive process. <laughs> no, some of the ones I actually know, actually, from my own knowledge, so I obviously don't know as much as Charlie, but there's a few bits I've gleaned across the years. Um, obviously, as we touched on earlier, um, fun fact number one about Mark Campbell's face, um, with a wumpa scene obviously being brought in as a way of explaining um, why he looks different. Um, obviously, he did suffer a car accident, but obviously this is a few years prior to the film being made. So he doesn't really have that many you know, visible scars. So it wasn't due to a whomper, but due to a car accident. Um, fun fact number two. If you've seen that Leonardo DiCaprio film where he kills a horse, climbs inside it. Um, Sorry, that was my fault, wasn't that was it? <laughs> 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 no, I think it's the other revenant, isn't it? Um, obviously that is something done by native North Americans to keep warm in the harsh winter. Um, and that was kind of worked into worked into the film. Um, oh right, well that answers my question then. <laughs> and there's yeah, there's a line from the Family Guy Star Wars about um, oh, about how bad they smell. It's really funny. Um, fun fact number three: Jim Henson personally recommended Frank Oz for the role of Yoda. Fun fact number four: um, during the scenes on Hoth, um, the blizzard they suffered was real. Um, and so, yeah, Mark Hamill was out there on his own while the rest of the film crew were inside a nice, warm, snug hotel. Going, ha ha. Um, fun fact number five. I know this, obviously, you can listen to this in the commentary as well. Um, if, and this is on IMDb.com. In the DVD commentary, Carriage Fish relates that during the summer London filming, Satan House renting from, rented from Eric Idle. Island Pythons were filming Life of Brian at this time. One evening, I'd had a small party, including Harrison Ford and the Rolling Stones. And so the potent liquor to which Pythons were distributing to extras on their film helped boost morale. That referred to as Tunisian table cleaner. They stayed up for most of the night drinking and having fun. The first scene shot the next day were the arrival at Cloud City, which she says helped explain why she and Ford, why she and Harrison Ford were so happy in those scenes. It's because they were crunk. I think that's great. <laughs> that's fantastic. The reason they do seem very chipper. Because yeah, they're um, hungover. Ab- Admiral Pier, um, Kenneth Colley. Yeah, was, uh, than, yeah, I imagine. Jesus. Yes. In Life of Brian. Exactly. Exactly. I just think that's brilliant. You got, you know, just like the biggest collection of biggest stars at the same at the time, all in one place. I just think that's amazing. I think that's probably my favourite fun fact. Okay, folks, we ought to sign off. This is starting to run long again. Yeah. Right. You can find me at the Pasty Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. You can find me at Simitrox on Twitter, uh, where you can also uh, find this podcast uh, at simitroxco.uk. Um, you can find me at Movie Drone on Twitter. And you can find us at Expect Us to Talk on Twitter or Facebook, com slash Expect Us to Talk. You can also find us on YouTube. We have to type in, do you expect us to talk? And we're also the same on iTunes. Don't forget to give us a glowing five-star review. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, anyway. So we've got a trilogy to finish, Becca, which means... Do you expect us to talk? We'll return with Star Wars. Star Wars? Star Wars.
Star Wars Episode 6, Return of the Jedi.